Hello, you beautiful people. My name is David Vieira. I'm joined by Abe and Charlie Maderos. Welcome to the Redox Cinema Podcast. And guys, I know there's been delay, but the time has finally come. We will be listing our favorite movies. 2022 our top 10 favorite movies of 2022 wow what a year a lot of movies a lot of films um it was a great time it was a great time um for filmmaking and it's a good to to come here have a discussion and celebrate 2022 the year that we had a lot of films released you know it's always good to look back um at the years at last year's films that were released but before we get all that, you guys know what the, what the gist is. Abe and Charlie, how are y'all doing today? I know yeah, it's late. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing all right. Chilling. It's the weekend. Yep. Excited uh, about that. Facts. Um, I'm good. I'm excited to do this. It's one of my favorite episodes like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've only done it once before, but it was a lot of fun. So I'm excited to get into discussions. And we don't know each other's top tens, uh, which I don't think we mentioned, but uh it's just like last year we don't know each other's top 10 so it's interesting to see the reactions and you know where we overlap and where we kind of miss out so uh, yeah yeah that's true sense. that's true it's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be really fun i did like the last episode that last time we did it because it's it's just a great discussion it's it's laid back um we just talk out we just talk about the film and why we loved that year right mm-hmm. and 2022 like i said a lot of great film releases um some people say maybe 2021 was a better year maybe 2022 was a better year but who knows um but first question i want to ask to the audience what year did you prefer 2022 or 2021 which one was your favorite year for movie releases i mean <laughs> we're supposed to answer no no i'm just asking the audience oh, oh okay. yeah i don't have an answer you don't have an answer. <laughs> let me, let me all i'll say is that so far nothing compares to 2019 2019 was different 2019 was insane yeah 2019 yeah you're right 2019 was on another level (laughs) the filmmakers knew the pandemic was coming parasite little woman (laughs) joker it was actually an insane year um just to list a few but all right so this is how it's gonna work y'all um we will first uh list five honorable mentions these are films that we loved but did miss out on our list due to maybe we loved the other ones more or there's everyone has a different way of judging the films. But with me, it's purely based on I just enjoyed the other ones more and I was impacted more by the other ones or I was thinking more about the other ones. But again, the honorable mentions are also great movies that you should watch and that you should go see. We recommend you guys see. Um, but we'll start from the honorable mentions and then we'll start from 10 and go down to one and one being our favorite movie of the year everyone has a has a different list charlie has his top 10 abe has his top 10 i have my top 10 um and we'll list them off and we'll have a discussion and we'll go from there but with that being said i want to start with charlie first charlie your honorable mentions go all right so i have let's see one two three four five honorable mentions and those wow. are Matilda, the musical Ooh. on Netflix. Nice. I, I, need, I need to watch it. That was yeah. really good. It was really it. well done. Good job to the kids there. Uh, 
The other one is a movie that I saw on airplane on my way to Vegas. It is called Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh. That was a really good movie as well. Mm-hmm. I bought the book. Haven't read it yet. But the movie's good. <laughs> I stay doing that. Yeah. Uh, my other honorable mention is Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. Uh, honestly, fantastic movie, but the only reason it doesn't make my top 10 is because the ending for me just didn't work. I know a lot of other people liked it, but for me, it just it just wasn't. I, f- I felt like it needed a little more. Interesting. Uh, the other one is The Menu. Ooh, wow. okay. menu is Ooh. another honorable mention. Yeah, that was a really great film. Great that time. was one of the most like unexpected hits for me, honestly, yeah. for the year. Um, unfortunately, I can't didn't make my top ten. Seeing a lot of people put that on their top ten. Seeing a lot of lists with the menu. the menu. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, because I think it, it was could make it. It, it, could it make was it. such an oddball. Yeah, and it came out of nowhere. And but it, it worked exactly. It worked. The reason and the reason why they did release it in theaters was because they did do a screen. I think they did a screen test, mm-hmm. and people who watched it were like, "I just have to release this in theaters." Because you and see it's the, the same thing with reactions. Barbarian as well. As well, yeah. had the same reaction. Yeah, I yeah. think the audience reactions in that makes it a more enjoyable watch mm-hmm. um, when you're in a theater. So for yeah, sure, for sure. If you haven't seen it yet, just go. Yeah, just it's go on HBO it. Max. Definitely it's watch it. it. Uh, my last honorable mention is one of the most controversial movies of the year. It is called Blonde. From wow. We were yeah. predicting, Abe and I, I were predicting that you were going to put it 10. on your top 10. Yeah. It I was, <laughs> I'm just going to spoil it here now. It was going to be my number one, but it's now knocked down to an honorable mention. It was going to be your number no, one? It was going Bro, to be my number what? one. And you knocked <laughs> it all the way down to <laughs> honorable there. mention? Yes. Yes. Interesting. That. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Um. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Wow. Hey. Okay. My my yes, honorable mentions. Your honorable mentions. Um. So this one is a this one came out of left field for me because it's not a a kind of film that I would watch usually, but uh, Charlie and I watched it, and I don't think Charlie enjoyed it as much as I did. But it was a good luck to you, Leo Grand. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That yeah, was uh, yeah. one. Um, Movie's weird. Yeah. Strange, <laughs> strange film, but mm-hmm. like. Performances were really good, and the writing was really, really good. I thought, anyway, mm-hmm. it um, was. Yeah, it was. And, and and I thought the the characters were really interesting, and I, I felt captivated throughout the entire film. So, but there's things that I liked more, and that's why I didn't make the top ten. Um, the uh, next film that I have is The Woman King. Um, yeah, I thought The Woman King was really well made. Uh, production set, um, even the action sequences I thought were dope. That's true. There's a lot of uh, dope cu- cultural history about Africa and like. Uh, slavery in Africa and how the slave trade worked with Europeans, but also was was rooted in African culture because of, of the European slave trade. So there was a lot of things uh, that I thought was interesting about that movie, um, yeah. but just just didn't make it. Uh, the next one is potentially controversial. I feel like you guys probably have this on your top ten. So um, Top Gun Maverick. No, I understand. I know you, Abe. I know yeah. you. Yeah. We I know it. you. So know for you. me, everyone knows me. Uh, I'm not a huge action film guy. Ruby, get down, bro. What She's are you doing? walking all over him right now. I'm just she just stepped all over Charlie's Mac. <laughs> she wants attention. The Adventures She's of Ruby so while we're... She needs to be an recording. honorable mention. That's why. <laughs> what do you have to say? Nothing? Yeah, put the mic in your face and you're quiet. Yeah, all right. Cool. All right. Well, if Ruby can stop interrupting me. Um, I thought Top Gun Maverick was amazing. So for me to put this type of film even close to the top 10, and honestly, it could... It could rise up that list for me, mm-hmm. um, but for me, there are other films that I, for, I thought were uh, more meaningful to me. 
That's yeah. all I can say. Well, but it was a great film. Can't take away from it. If mm-hmm. you have it in your top ten, I can't. It, no, you you can't argue that. Yeah, can't argue. It, it was. It saved movie theaters this summer. Yeah, it did a lot for theaters, and that's why I have a lot of respect for it. And I, you have to respect guys like Tom Cruise, who like dedicate so much to the craft and like stunts and things like that. Like it's just it's part of cinema, so you have to appreciate it. It's a movie that saved theaters that isn't Marvel or Disney. This mm, is true. That's, that's great, what I like. Yeah. This is true to see. Yep, that's very very true. And it brought people of all ages to go see it. Yeah. And I think that's what was impressive about it. It was a diverse demographic that went and saw this movie. And if you, if y'all haven't seen this movie yet, please go see Top Gun Maverick. What are you doing with your life? It was a movie. Yeah, it's, it. it's, if you want to say like a staple film of 2022, you would, you would definitely put Top yeah. Gun Maverick on. Yeah. It's one of, I would say it's like one of the best action movies of the last decade. It was done. So I would well. say it's so in my, good. I would say, while it's not on my top 10, it's on my top five most watch, like uh, sh- must watch for this past year. Mm. Like it's on my top five must watch yeah. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have one more. Yeah. Uh, and my last one was one that when I first started watching, I wasn't like too like into watching this kind of movie, but then like it really caught my eye and that's um, All Quiet on the Western Front. That movie uh, is a war film and it's on Netflix. And to me, I don't know if a film has captured like the brutality and like just sadness of war so perfectly. Yes. Saving Private Ryan. Um, this bro, pair, is it worse? <laughs> Yo, bro. I got one worse for all y'all. I got his Russian film. <clears throat> it's called Come and See. Y'all want to get scarred for life? Watch that movie. I'm, okay. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair <laughs> on I'm war. Sure, I'm sure there are much more brutal. No, like, no, war but films all Quiet Lesser Front is a very brutal. But film. in time, but in terms of like in the mainstream, oh, yeah. like in a Netflix mm-hmm. film, yes, and in the modern day of war films, I think this is one of the most most brutal and like the most sad. Yeah. And you just like look at the despair of war and also how kind of meaningless it is. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, and I thought like it was so so well done. And if I watched it again, honestly, it could climb up the list. Yeah. Um. My honorable mentions. And I think what we're seeing with All Quiet on the Western Front, um, it got a lot of BAFTA nominations. Mm-hmm. And with it getting a lot of BAFTA nominations, it's looking like it's probably going to get a Best Picture nod at the Oscars. Wow. So we'll see it. It's rising Let's up it. the ranks right now. Good well, as As it should. Because definitely, it is a definitely recommend for film. Charlie to watch. I think, I think Charlie would enjoy it. Yeah. It's, a long, it's a long film, but it's really good. Yes, very good. Okay. Oh, me. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> yeah. Um my honorable mentions, uh like I said, the only reason th- like if I could make a top 15 list, it'd be on the list, but um these films uh, impacted me as well, but the other ones that I have on my list, I just think about more. It's pretty much that's what it is. I, but I'm going to go through quickly cuz I know there's some some overlap here, but first one, nope. Um okay. it was on my list, but I kept Taking it off as I was adding more films and mm. adjusting it. It's fair. Um, Tar, I mm, that could have made my honorable so mentions. The problem with Tar is, you know, I, I I've seen a tweet um, multiple times where someone tweets like, "Yo, um, I watch a movie, but it didn't ap- impact me as much as the mainstream are talking about it." Mm-hmm. Like Tar, mm-hmm. everyone is loving it, mm-hmm. and when I watched it for the first time, I was like, "Yes, this is a great film." But it didn't have as much impact as I think majority of the audiences who did watch it were like, dang, this is a great film. For me, I was like, dang, this is a really good movie. Um, I understand the, the premise and what it's all about. And But for me, it didn't it didn't hit 
as much as it hit other people. Yeah. And uh, it, that that's what upsets me the most because I was come I went into the theater I was like, "Yes, I was ready to put this as like a top 3 film of the oh, year yeah, yeah, yeah. coming in." But it just it didn't work. I'm not saying that it didn't work. It just didn't impact me as much as I was expecting. Yeah, it's it not as much your cup of tea. Like I yeah. I think Davi and I had the same experience cuz I I walked out of that movie and I was like, "Damn, that was a good movie." But like in 2 days, I wasn't really like, you know, I'm like, "Damn, talk." Cuz like when I watch a good film, and me and Davi, I think we all kind of relate to this. You watch a film, and then you're like, damn, I'm still thinking about that movie like a week later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like That's when you know a yeah. film hit you, and I didn't get that with Tar. But I can understand if you did, maybe you relate oh, yeah. to it more. Uh, one, I'm seeing Tar in top 10 lists all over the place, and yeah. as it should be. And I want it to get the recognition it deserves because it does deserve the recognition. Very well made. Exactly. Uh, Kate Blanchett is phenomenal in the film. Um, but I don't think she's going to win Best Actress because of Michelle. and She's winning it for everything everywhere all at once, I think. But again, a great film that deserves to be seen. Um, a slow burn for sure, but a great movie. Um, next one on that list is The Northman, uh, Robert Eggers. Honestly, I could have put that one. <laughs> um, another great uh, movie about um, revenge, a revenge story that is very different because I think as the film progresses, you already start seeing the foreshadowing and... Um, the way Robert Eggers completes this narrative is very impressive and inspiring. Um, man, Skarsgård is incredible in this yeah, film. Yeah, he's really good. Um, as the lead. And it sucked that this film bombed because it deserves to, more people to see it. Um, bombed I just, in terms of box office. Yeah, bombed in terms of box office. It, it did get the praise, but it just didn't work box office-wise. And that's another conversation we can have with other films that released this year. It just didn't make as much money. And that's what's scary about Hollywood is that these very narrative-driven films with a lot of money are not making as much money. Yeah. But again, if you have, haven't have seen The Northman, go check it out. It should be on Peacock. Um, so should Nope. Nope is on Peacock as well. Oh, um, next one, The Menu. Um, I know Charlie put it on. So I mention. Another great oddball that came out of nowhere and when we watched it, I had a great time at the theaters. The audience was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was having a good time, was laughing and really good commentary at the end and as it was progressing. Um, and my final one, it could this one could have easily flip flop between one that's in there and one that's not, um, and that is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Oh, I've heard that movie so good. I need um, wow, what a movie, y'all! Um, this is a A twenty four animated film, and yo, it's so good. It's I need so to watch good, it. and I just think if you want to, it's just a great feel good movie, but it, it hits the heartstrings a lot. Um, but it's another impressive year for A24. And if you have the time, sit down and watch it. I think it's only available to rent or buy right now, but it is a great film. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, all right, y'all. With that being said, um, let's start with our number 10. Um, I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to go to Abe. Abe, <laughs> what is your first film on the top 10 list? Your number 10. My number ten is as Ruby is panting. She just wants to know. Um, Matt Reeves, Batman. Yeah, Matt Reeves is the Batman. Is on my number ten. Um, and this was one that I was. It's annoying because I was looking for reasons to not put it on my top ten, and it was one of those ones where I'm like, it was really as good as and I. And then the more I think about, it, I'm like, yo, I left that theater being like, damn. 
I didn't know what to expect, and I was so happy with the product. Uh, Robert Pattinson, I thought, was great in this film uh, as a very different feeling of a Batman, a very moody, emotional Batman. Um, Ruby, you need to chill. Dog. He's emo Batman. Yeah, he is emo Batman. Um, and it was a it was a very different vibe. Um, I actually connected with this kind of character more because, you know, to me, uh, the reclusive like uh, billboard uh, uh, playboy uh, billionaire philanthropist uh, Bruce Wayne was not the character that like I really thought Batman should be. Yeah. Um, not to say that that takes anything away from the other Batman movies, but this one I think made a lot more sense to the backstory. Mm -hmm. it's like this dude is really going through it. And I think that that's partially because this is early Batman, right? This is earlier into the Batman story. So he's still really dealing with the emotions that uh, of his upbringing and all of that. But I really liked the fact that it was an early Batman. I like to see him not be perfect. I like to see him make mistakes. I like to see like early technology, early like um, Batman things that, you know, uh, 10 years down the line, Batman would be like, that was so stupid. Why did I ever do that? Um, and yeah, I, I think this is the only superhero film that is in my top 10 i want to make sure yeah it's the only superhero movie that made my top 10 so how uh, dare you yeah so i'm so sorry but, gosh, they're gonna <laughs> kill you dude that's that's there and no it, the batman was a great startup startup to the franchise because we know we're gonna get a trilogy mm -hmm. and matt reeves absolutely killed it as a director, but I just think this was also a technical achievement on its own. I mm -hmm. think cinematography to also to the score. This film was beautiful to watch. Um, just seeing it in Dolby was incredible. That scene where he um, and he, he engines up the the Batmobile for the first time, and we just feel the bass in the theater for the first like that was really good. I saw it twice. It was it was a great start. I think it came out in March, so it was a great start to the year, um, and. It put, I think it just put the character of the Batman um, back on the map because I know we've had some couple failures with others in the past. Yeah. And it also um, proved to the mainstream audience that Robert Pattinson is him, you know? Yeah, bro. And we all knew that he was, he, you know, he is the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and we saw him in Tenet. We saw him in The Lighthouse. We know that he's talented, but I think him being as the Batman and getting that mainstream audience and them seeing how immensely he has improved as an actor is great to see and mm -hmm. finally everyone is understanding how talented he really is this man hasn't missed in like no he has not oh wow he's he's killing it yeah and i just can't wait to see the sequel because i think i honestly think that the sequel will be better than the first that's my prediction because i usually think as batman progresses mm -hmm. as a character um i feel like he gets i feel like the story matures and gets better as yeah. well yeah so i think um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, what Matt Reeves is planning, but I know they're planning a whole Batman universe mm -hmm. uh, with DC. So yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good start. Charlie, what about you? What's your top ten? Uh, at number ten for me is The Fablemans by Steven Spielberg. Wow, yeah, number yeah. ten. Yeah, it is a very good movie about you know just a kid's love for filmmaking, discovering that passion and playing around with it. And just learning to to love it and trying to make you know uh stories with just what you have at your disposal i loved seeing that and it reminded me of 
when I first started, you know, making little things here and there, just using things that are at my disposal. And really that's where, you know, the passion really comes from. I think, uh, the actors are great. Uh, Paul Dano, we have Michelle Williams, um, the kid who plays the, who plays Sammy Fableman, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. I think it's Gabriel something. Gabriel LaBelle. They're all fantastic. Uh, and you just, you get to, and I always tell you have Seth Rogen in there. Yeah. Um, Seth Rogen was great. Yeah. And he was really he was good. Really good. It, it was good to see him in a more like toned down role, not comedy ish related. Mm. Um, also, I didn't realize this, but Julia Butters was in that movie, and she was in uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was the little girl that was talking to Leo in the wow, yeah, yeah, who was like cheering him up, saying he's a good actor and stuff. Oh, I'm so dead. <laughs> yeah, I think she's like one of the sisters. Sisters, maybe. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, crazy, but yeah, that was that's my number ten. Solid film. If you want to check it out, I, I, well, I will say I don't think it's for everyone. I think this is more for people who are passionate about. Uh, film and filmmaking it's its a movie for those people for sure yeah. but if you like that then go check it out alrighty alright my 10th film on my top 10 film is Top Gun Maverick mm. um, it was actually wow. surprise it's it was, that low <laughs> <laughs> I know I really loved it I think everyone knows me that knows that yeah. I've hyped this movie up um, it was actually my most uh, watched rewatched film of the year I think wow. I watched it a lot this year and um, saw it twice in theaters, saw it three times at home. It, it was just a great feel-good movie to put on. It is, um, yeah. Uh, it's a great comfort movie, to yeah. be honest. It is a very good comfort film. It's a movie you can put on with anyone, yeah. anyone in the room. I haven't met anyone who did not like the movie. Mm -hmm. I've yet That's to true. come across someone who did not like it. Um, but, again, it was just a great celebratory film. Um, I remember just going to the theaters with you guys for the first time and just watching it. As soon as... They were explaining what Top Gun was. I was like, this is going to be a banger. Like, this is going to be so good. <laughs> and that's what it was. It, it, it achieved exactly what it want, what it needed to be. Um, and it, it, Tom Cruise, Jesus Christ, you are one very talented individual. And Indeed. crazy. And crazy. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? It's his first billion dollar film. It was his first billion dollar film. He's never had a film cross billion dollars at the box office. So that's crazy. That was interesting to see um, first time because he's been in the industry for so long. Um, but Top Gun was a technical achievement. It was an action achievement as well. I'm expecting it to split technical awards with Avatar: The Way of Water. Um, but I don't know. I think that's my my guess. It was just a really good time. If you haven't seen it yet, y'all, I don't know what you're doing. Please go watch it. Um, it's just a, a it's a really good family movie. To be honest, it's so fun to watch. Um, and it deserves the praise that it's getting. Um, with that being said, I'm going to start with my number nine and keep it going and rolling. My number nine is actually Matt Reeves' Batman. Mm. Oh, my God. Like I said before, it was a technical achievement. and <sighs> There's nothing else that I can add to this movie that I already said before. And Greg Frazier, cinematographer, killed it again. Dune last year, Batman this year, and he's doing Dune again. The man hasn't missed. Yeah. Um and the score as well was incredible. Um, but yeah, it's sitting at my number nine. I'm going to pass it on to Charlie. Charlie, what's your number nine? My number nine goes to Elvis by Baz Luhrmann. Boo. Boo. <laughs> my, <laughs> my brother and Davi do not like that movie. But 
<laughs> Unfortunately for them, it's doing the rounds and awards. So yeah, oh God. it is a very good film. And I think it's really up to too long. It, it's nah, I don't Baz Luhrmann. So. It's 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 up to whether or not you like Baz Luhrmann style. Yeah. That's what it is. Because everything else about the movie is is really good. It's very well acted. Austin Butler killed it. Did a fantastic job. Yes, uh, he agree. did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one hundred set design, I, 1, stage design. Yeah, everything in the yep, movie yeah. is is I great. Script. But yeah, very. Th- that's fine. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Baz Luhrmann style. He has. A very unique style that not everybody's gonna vibe with, you know. Uh, just look at The Great Gatsby; it has similarities to oh that. It's very God. quick cut and PTSD. Yeah, weird. Uh, he does this thing where he loves to mix uh, old school songs with new, like current yeah, songs and stuff, like hip hop, R and B, and I don't have the biggest have problem s- with that. I have so much, but I have so much respect for Baz because he's always innovating, and you yeah. can always tell, like when you're watching yeah. a Baz film. Yeah. And how he's trying to He's very ambitious. Yes, exactly. Ambitious. He's never I don't I don't he's always challenging himself. Yeah. And that's what I have I have respect for him on that yeah. end. Yeah. But sometimes a lot of his movies have not hit for me. But that's no hate on him. He's I think he's yeah. killing it. He's it's, it's doing just, a great job in the industry. It's just if you if you like dig his style or not, you know? Yeah. And um with this movie I think I think for him was a pa- kind of a passion project because he's a very big Elvis fan. He knows yeah. like, everything about the man's life. Um, Unlike the director of Blonde, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's a conversation for another time. I Different can, podcast. I can refute. Different episode. I can refute that. You're lucky I didn't put it at my number one because I would. I wish you did. Torn we could have been an, on a four-hour podcast today. You really could have. <laughs> I would have torn you guys apart. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Thanks a lot, guys. But anyway, that's my number nine is Elvis. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, there were elements of Elvis that I really liked. Um, as Charlie mentioned, I think the set design was crazy. I think the costumes, everything was really good. Um, the fact that Austin Butler performed all of the young Elvis songs is crazy. He yep. killed that performance. So to me, if someone wanted to give, if, if, if people were adamant about making the best actor nom like his to thing, him? Yeah. I no. wouldn't be mad at it. I wouldn't, yeah. I However, there is. He's going to win it. However, yes, sir. I will say there are people worried about him in Hollywood now because of the fact that like the whole Elvis accent isn't going away. Let's see him in Dune. He has a big role in Dune. He has a huge role in Dune. Huge role so in Dune. So if, he, if he's like talking like Elvis in every single interview and in every single like thing he does from this point, then will it have been worth it is the only question that I will ask to Austin Butler. I mean, and he, his spent, team. he spent four years. No, 100%. And that's what I'm saying. The is f- the four years to do this one film going to be worth it if it kind of derails, you know, the career from here? Because now he, he's got, I mean, he's going to get all the praise he wants. He's going to win awards like he's already winning. But now but he's Elvis. Not exactly. But now we want to see what you can do after. Yeah. How you're going to improve after Where's that. Where's the range? Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, right, like this proves that he's a real big like method guy, right? Mm-hmm. And like, okay, how is that going to pan out for the rest of your career because there's a lot of talking people who like method acting is when you really like indulge yourself in that character and you almost like don't break character for mm-hmm. like you, the entire time that you're working on yeah. that film and that's austin butler that's how he did this movie some people like that some people don't um and you know we've seen actors have issues with it in the you know later in their careers like jared leto i think has done yeah. a lot of method acting and stuff i so. think the thing with austin for this film is that he got a lot of inner circle treatment 
from the Elvis family as well, mm -hmm. from the Presley family. So he was very close to Lisa Marie, who unfortunately passed away recently. Um, and with others, you know, from his family, I think there's a there's a rumor going around right now that he uh, is the only other person besides Nicolas Cage that has gotten to see Elvis's room because it's been preserved since his death. Like it has not been touched and it's roped off in Graceland. So like the, I think the man had a very, very close uh, emotional connection to the family, which helped him do this role the way that he did. Mm. And yes. I, it, it, he's not gonna get that treatment for every single role that he does no. going forward. No, no, no. So yeah, like you guys are saying, it's interesting to see, like uh, I'm curious to see how he's going to- But I think he's playing it smart forward. though, because going, because Denis handpicked him to play, Yeah. Um, Handpicked. Yeah, I trust Denis. So, I think he's made like Austin Butler. I think is making the right decisions after playing Elvis because you're going to Denis film, and yeah. Denis yeah, doesn't miss. Yeah, he's smart. One eighty. You know he's he's playing his he's playing his cards right, and I just Absolutely. want to see how he performs um, in his upcoming films. Yeah, it's fair. Who's got the next number nine? Is that me? Yes, my number nine. I don't know if this is controversial or not. Is Avatar: The Way of Water. Wow, Abe. Yeah, I didn't think it was even gonna make your top ten. Oh no, bro! I'm surprised. Wow, are you kidding? Um, this film, it it is a very conflicting movie for me because we we've had endless conversations about Avatar, and this is not the Avatar podcast, but the the things that I love about this movie, I absolutely love mm -hmm. the things that drive me nuts about this movie drive me nuts <laughs> it's like yeah. it's this duality of like does the good trump the bad and i think that this proves to me that yes because what james cameron was able to do with the world building of pandora which he already did in in the first film and it's almost like he's rebuilding the world in the second film and he was able to top that mm -hmm. um to me was impressive and i see uh, this story progressing to something like beyond what we could imagine possible. And I'm excited for that. And I want to be a part of that. And I don't want to be a hater and just be like, ah, no, nah, there's problems with the film. So I don't like it. Um, there was enough good in this movie that I had to make my top 10. Um, so that is why it's there. I don't want to wow. go on a long tangent about it, but that's basically that. That third act alone was insane. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a like my mom said it. My mom said it best. It was a show. Like oh, it, yeah. it felt like you were going to see it was a spectacle. Yeah, that's that's literally what it was. Mm -hmm. And it literally, I know that again. There's flaws to the movie, and that um, some people are going to be like, "Ew, spider." Um, <laughs> but Facts. but like what Pandora is and what they did from a technical achievement as well, it's it's unlike anything else. It's going to be talked about for the rest of the history of filmmaking. You know what I mean? This mm. this is going to go down in the history books. Same thing as Avatar did. Yep. So it's like, is every Avatar movie going to go down in the history books? He, he, what, James Cam what James Cameron is doing is... James Cameron is the innovator. Yeah. He is the one who innovates. Mm -hmm. 100%. Pushes, pushes the boundaries of film. 100%. And that's why... You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. have I have had, you know, uh, Charlie loves Titanic. I'm kind of bored of it. But like you can't knock the films that he's done. Like the stuff that he does is all like groundbreaking and beautiful and yeah. incredible. And like you can't help but appreciate it. So 
I'm not going to be the person that stands in the way of appreciating one of the most impactful movies probably of this decade. Wow. I think, wow. I, sh- I, think I should oh, follow up. Did you guys up. see what he just said? One of the yeah. most impactful movies of but this decade. But it is. Decade. What film yeah, have you is. seen use that technology? Yeah, there yeah, has not right. been a single right. film like, that has a, done that. That's a statement, y'all. Stuff, not to that level. Not, yeah, to, that not level. to that level. Like, the stuff that he's doing is groundbreaking because it's a fact. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not things that you can dispute. Yep. So that's the, that's the thing. Like, you can't even really hate on the facts of what make this film groundbreaking. So, like, to me, it's too much effort to try to hate on it. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I should follow you up because Avatar is my number eight. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so, I like that. So, wow. yeah. Um, I agree with everything that you said. Um, and the only thing I need to add to that is that I, for me, it's the best theater experience I have had. I had this year. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Yeah, I think uh, just I, because it, it's up there for me. It's it's because of the 3D experience and how it just feels like you're in Pandora with them. It's crazy. It's insane. I haven't seen a 3D movie in over a decade, so this was a welcome change. It, it was great. Um, Please stay back there. Avatar is my number eight. Wow, Sorry, guys, wow. Ruby's being wow. crazy right now. Wow. All right, I'll go with mine. My number eight was Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Thanks. Oh my gosh, yo. that I was crying from the beginning to the end. Just <laughs> I was okay. not expecting it to be this sad and this heartbreaking. It was just it, man. It, it I I was wrecked after I finished it. I was yeah. honestly wrecked, and I love that he brought stop motion back. But also, it just proves that. Animation is not for kids. Animation is universal. It's for everyone, mm-hmm. and we have to get. We have to take a step back and understand that animation is for everyone. It's not just for kids. It it, it it's for the elderly. It's for the adults. It's for the teens. It's for the young adults. It's for the kids. It's, this is what gets people together. It unites so many people, and I love that Guillermo del Toro goes to this medium and does a story like this because these are stories that a young kid and an adult can also watch together and be impacted in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's why this movie hit. Like This movie slapped. Yeah. It was so good. And yeah. I have it winning Best Animation. Um, yeah. And it... It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Definitely, it, for sure. But like... I, I was skeptical of it at first. The musical number, like the musical numbers in this oh, movie. Oh, it's so it's good. Just, yeah. It's <laughs> oh my I was gosh. skeptical when I saw the first screenshots and I was like, Guillermo del Toro making a Pinocchio? What the hell and is And then this? you go on to find the backstory as to why he's doing this and it connects to his mother and you're like, oh, sh- like, oh no. <laughs> and I think that like, to me, I'm not a stop motion guy, but mm-hmm. when I saw Guillermo was doing stop motion, he's like, he's going to do it right. Yeah. He's going to do it really right. Mm-hmm. And... It looked incredible, man. Oh, yeah. It looked so incredible. And shout out to all the people who worked on stop motion because that is a crew and a half that have to make all of that work. So shout out to them. And that's a that's an art. That's it an is art. an art. It yeah. is an art. Fire. Hey, great next? Pick. Yeah. I like that pick. Word. My number eight was one that was on both of your honorable mentions. Uh, and I'm the, the, the rogue one here. Um, but it is Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So... I love Jordan Peele. Uh, I'm a, a very big Jordan Peele fan. I don't hide from that. Um, so this might be a little bit of a biased take, and I'm okay with that. But um, I love how he progresses his films and how he's not afraid to try different things. He is one of these directors now that I'm. He, he's starting to break into the conversations of like 
the best new up and coming directors like of our of our generation probably the yeah. best generation uh, best directors of our generation no right? yeah i 100 because i think you. like you know no disrespect these guys are gonna do it till they die but like the nolans and you know those guys the james cameron's like you know they they are in their prime but you know they've been in their they've prime, been in their prime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they won't they, they'll stay in their prime until they die yeah but like what i'm trying to say is that now like jordan peele is going to start rising into his prime and i just love what he does um in terms of uh, uh choice and cast yeah like, the way he casts people i think is dope the the chemistry between daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer i thought was crazy um he brought an actor in kiki palmer back that i haven't really seen do anything mm -hmm. yeah. since like true jackson vp mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. like the 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 <laughs> fact that he can recognize like she has talent she's just different than the type of films that people would you know normally want to cast the kind of person in and i thought you know he created a character that kind of you know fit her vibe and and really worked with um her acting really well mm -hmm. and i thought the story was ambitious and i thought for me it worked i thought it left a lot of questions but i thought that was the great thing about it and jordan peele's films tend to do that yes um so for me the more questions, the better. And when I leave the theater and think about a movie for a long, long time, and we had this discussion before we got on the pod, uh, I think that's a sign of a good film. So yeah. that's why it's my number eight. No, you you saying that he's still getting into his prime, like after this? I feel like the man's already in his prime off the rip, bro. Because get out. Because because I, I think he what shaped started. him was him being on oh, on, yeah. on Keen Peele, and then him coming in. No, I'm talking about making, his directorial debut. But, like he started off. But that's what I'm saying is because incredible. where he started on Comedy started. Central. It built up to making Get Out. Yeah. Right? That's where he found the connection. Potent that's where he grew up and that's where he matured. And when he made Get Out, I think that's what exploded. Everyone's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. This guy is, yeah. he's I, not I just a comedic. Thing, you know what I mean? He's yeah. not just a comedian. I, mean. I think yeah. the thing about it was with, with Get Out, I, I, I think people were nervous that he was going to be like a one hit wonder of a director. And then Us came out and then it was very split in terms of reception. Um, critics loved it audiences were very mixed um and then nope came out and then it was another kind of like people now i think are just starting to appreciate jordan peele and being like you can't really put him in a box of what he's going to do with his film because he's always going to throw you curveballs and i really like that about him. and one thing with peele he's so creative with his writing super he's creative. So, like his writing is it should be studied in every screenwriting class because mm -hmm. i think he goes away from the formula of how you set up an act and he structures it the Jordan Peele way. I think I, that's what I'm going to say. It. Yeah. He's, he's the Jordan Peele structure and the Jordan Peele structure, it will always change between each feature that he does. Yep. And that's what I think is so innovating about him is that he's challenging these um, original structures that have been set for years and he's going against it and he's trying to innovate how you write scripts, how you write screenplays. And it sucks that Nope is not getting the original screenplay um, recognition. I think it should, but... Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, and I feel, I, I feel like audiences were kind of split on this one as well. So he has like two back-to-back -back films where yeah. people are kind of split. This one maybe less than this one us, less. But, I think this one uh, less. I think people, but this yeah. is why I'm saying I think now people are just starting to appreciate Jordan mm -hmm. Peele. So the next film, it's going to be less people being split and more people just appreciating Peele. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. So what I really uh, one really small detail I really want to say about this uh, movie that I really loved was. Um, the character of the the film the documentarian the filmmaker yes i love that character mm -hmm. because i think it kind of uh, painted this overarching theme of like 
the unattainable and like reaching for this thing that you 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 can never get mm -hmm. and like when is enough enough mm -hmm. and the fact that that character like had been in the most dangerous scenarios ever documenting these crazy things and then he's like you have a freaking alien spaceship great i'm gonna like face it in the belly of the beast and you see what happens to him mm -hmm. i think it's like a really good uh symbolism for like knowing when enough is enough and like your ambitions might bring you down in the in the end right if mm -hmm. you're if you're doing things that uh could put yourself in danger so yeah. i thought that was uh, a really dope um, symbolism. I think there's other pieces of the film that tie together, but I, I just love Jordan Peele, um, and I thought this movie um, was a great one. Yeah, it's a great Beautiful movie. Pick. Love it. Yeah. Charlie, your number eight. My number seven. Number se well, we're number Actually, seven? We're in number seven. Indeed. Wow. My number seven is Top Gun Maverick. Wow. wow. I'm not going to say too much more because we've already talked a lot about it, but fantastic movie. That's my number seven. All right. My number seven is on Abe's honorable mention. Oh, that wow. is All oh, Quiet wow. on the Western Front. Yeah. Very um, nice. That movie impacted me on. I love a good war movie um, because I think war movies. When a war movie tugs at the, at the theme of innocence and showing how it just completely scrambles and shows the reality of the. I like realism in war movies. Mm-hmm. And seeing that, in a sense, just crumble away on All Quiet on the Western Front reminded me a lot of Come and See, which is uh, a Russian war uh, war film that I watched that scarred me for life. Um, I don't recommend people watch it. <laughs> but <laughs> don't if you, watch if you do want to see it, go ahead. But I'm not recommending it. But um, All Quiet on the Western Front um, did that for me from the score, the cinematography, and also from the main his portrayal jesus christ it was i just think his his facial expressions towards the end of the film and just seeing how his innocence was completely taken away from him mm -hmm. and all he wanted to do was like you know what he's, he was so numb to the fact that they were at war and he was like you know what i'm done like let's just let's just get this over with mm -hmm. and the end was very heartbreaking but that's just the reality right yeah. you hope war movies have a thing they have a thing when a war movie is done right, you always hold on for like the smallest hope. And that smallest hope is always at the end. And at the end, it takes you away. Right. And that's what All Quiet on the Western Front did, yeah. did I, for me. I think this film also has a big commentary on like honor or like perceived honor. Yeah. And like what you think you're fighting for isn't always what, what you're actually fighting for. Exactly. Um, And I think there's a, a big uh, commentary on that and like patriotism and you know how countries sometimes will will use that enthusiasm yeah. to their benefit mm -hmm. um to for for war right and the, and the, and i think that is a a true reality that we live in i think this film captured it really well yeah i love the realism in this movie yeah. the realism in this movie is is done really well mm -hmm. and i hope it gets a best picture nomination because it deserves it but and heads up it is a german film um and who yeah. cares Plus, dang subtitles. Watch the dang movie. If you can read. <laughs> Crazy yeah, I, that I, I, I completely forgot that it was a German film. Yeah, it is a German film. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's such a good watch regardless. Mm -hmm. Abe, you're number seven. Oh, I'm my number seven is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yo. Um, yeah, bro. Uh, same thing as Davi <laughs> said. Um, that movie was crazy. Guillermo del Toro is an amazing filmmaker. And he's another one that's super ambitious because, like, doing something... First of all, 
going into animation after you know his last few features were not in this um, kind of genre. Has he done animation in the past? You know, what I can remember, I, I, I think, think he so. has done it. He I might have know. done it before, yeah, but I no. think it's probably been a while. No, yeah, he has done it. I'm pretty sure he's done it. But but then to take it to the level of stop motion and to do the puppets to this level of detail and all the efforts that he put into it, um, I thought were incredible. I thought the the story was great. Uh, I never connected with the story of Pinocchio before this. I'll be real with you. Like, honestly, never cared for Pinocchio before. Like, I honestly thought it was just like a funny. Uh, the Pinocchio that sticks in my mind before this is the Pinocchio from Shrek. Um, and like, that's literally the, that. That's that's the Pinocchio that sticks in my head. And now it's Guillermo del Toro's. And that's saying a lot because it's a very uh, well-known, you know, uh, uh, story and idea. Um, that you know he adapted to make a, a really great um, story and commentary uh, on a lot of different things. So uh, yeah, that's my number seven. Whew. Very nice. We're moving on to number six. Number six, Charlie hit him. Number six for me is The Northman. Wow. What? I, yeah. I I I like. That I respect pick. it. I, like I respect that pick, that pick bro. Number I'm six, with you on the that Northman. Pick. It is. I am with you. We, we already talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. And yeah, I just, I really loved the themes in this movie. I loved the way that it was uh, shot. I love the twist. I love everything about it. I really do. Um, it caught me by surprise because I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. But uh, who directed again? Robert Eggers? Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Man. Lighthouse. Again. He's another a weirdo, hit, bro. Another hit. But yeah. in, a, in the best way. <laughs> he, he makes very, very strange films. And this is another one of them. You know, The Lighthouse is a very strange film. This is a strange film. But I'll say of the two. Of the two, I think this one is, is like more. at least normal. <laughs> yeah. But there are some sequences but there's some, in that this. That's Z with Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah, there's some sequences in this where it's like, okay, what the heck's going on here? But yeah, it's it's great. I, I, I really I really dig it. Yeah, no, it's, it was a great film. And um. There's this one uh, YouTuber that I think we all follow, uh, Jeremy Johns, and he put it as his number one. Uh, wow. Yeah, he put it as top one film of the year, and he said that every film he watched, he was like, was it as good as The Northman? And that was his standard. So I know people who love this movie and put it way up there. Um, so huge credit to uh, Robert Eggers and that cast and crew because obviously it didn't make as much money in the box office. But, you know, but I'm you so gotta... glad we saw it in Dolby. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that that I saw it and in theaters. So I didn't, unfortunately. I think I watched it here at home. Oh, really? Yeah, I think wow. I did. Um, but still, phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Good movie. All right, Abe, hey, hit you, hit us with the, your number six. Oh shoot! Okay, my number six was in both your honorable mentions as well. Oh wow! I'm on a hot streak. My number six is the menu. Ooh. My number six is hit us with the commentary, bro. All right, hit you with the commentary. Let me get (laughs) let me get the director because I need to get the this I need to get the credit where it's due. Um, Mark Mylod is a director, and it stars uh, Anya Anya Taylor Joy. Ruby, you need to chill the hell out. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry, guys. Ruby is bugging right now. She wants attention. Yeah, she She wants attention. Bad. Wants to give her best movies. Yeah, she she wants to get it on the podcast. Anyway, Mark Mylod, I'm trying to see what he's directed, and the first thing that pops up is he has been a director on Succession, so that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> Game of Thrones, shameless. Uh, okay, so he has a good resume in TV. Yeah, he has a good TV game. Of, yeah, Game of Thrones, Minority Report, 
Okay, so you know he, he has a good TV one, but this might be his you know debut feature, which is crazy. Um, and stars stars Ralph Phineas, uh, who uh, who played Voldemort in the Harry Potters, um, and Anya Taylor Joy. This movie, bro. Um, yes, it's an oddball oddball film. Yes, it like comes out of nowhere, and it's not what you expect. But the reason why this movie I loved it is because like they all committed so hard to 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 for lack of a better word, the bit, right? Like when movies, you can tell when like the cast and like maybe not everybody on the film is committed to to the to what they're trying to accomplish, but everyone completely committed to this idea that is ridiculous and ludicrous, but it was so, so good and so well done. Um, and that's why I loved it. And I, I just had a lot of fun with the twists and turns. I thought the acting was really good. I thought the commentary was really good. Yes. Because it, it's a commentary on like the service industry and people who work in service and people who just receive and like gluttony and greed and all that stuff. Um, and if you've ever worked in retail or like any service industry role, then you can kind of, you know, relate to, to the feeling of like being stepped on or being not appreciated and mm. stuff like that. Um, so I thought this film was a great, great commentary on that, uh, as well. So I had a stint at Chipotle, um, my freshman year in college <laughs> and the menu, I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. I was watching this. I was like, mm -mm. <laughs> but no, that's a great pick. It really is a great pick. Yeah. I, yeah, I love this movie. Um, I watched it again the other day with Anna on her really small TV. Um, and I still loved it just as much as I, I watched, awesome. I loved it. Um, the first time I watched it in theaters, so making me uh, crave a cheeseburger. Yeah, bro, oh. that cheeseburger. Well, after this, I'm getting a cheeseburger. cheeseburger. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> you gotta get a cheeseburger, Facts. man. Um, um, but yeah, the menu is my uh, number six. Um, I'm gonna go with mine, my number six. Um, I hope you guys saw this movie, but if you didn't, it's okay. It's totally okay. I don't know if I saw this. Not that you're but saying. But this is. Um, oh my god, I don't want to butcher his name, but this is a Korean film. I didn't see it. Park Chan Wook decision to leave okay this was one that uh i need to say i have been meaning to watch it because i've seen it everywhere but this Yo. is one i haven't seen yet but i've heard it's really really good um i took okay so i took two days to watch this movie because i had to stop because something came up okay. um and then i watched the second half and i was like wait i need to see this in its entirety because it, i didn't give it justice mm -hmm. so i sat down again and i watched it again as soon as i finished the second part i was like i need to start it again so i started again i was like oh my god this movie, from the cinematography to um, the symbolism that is marriage and um, understanding uh, and understanding love and how love is perceived and all that stuff, I was, I was, it was a lot for me to understand second time watching. I was like, wow, this is crazy. The more I start thinking about this film, the more I'm like, whoa, okay, there's a lot of layers here that I can, if I keep going back to this movie, I'm going to find something else. And that's what Decision to Leave was for me. It was more, it is a symbolism on marriage and on love and on mountains and on the ocean. There's a lot of that in the movie. And I was like, this is incredible writing from um, talking about, you know, again, symbolism on marriage, symbolism on marriage, the ocean and the mountains. Those are three very big pieces in this movie and one thing i can that stood out to me that kept me engaged with this movie was the cinematography yo some of these shots the way that the um the cinematographer pans and he zooms in zooms out zooms in zooms out moves the camera left and right it's 
it's very engaging to the point where you're like, wait, why is he doing that? There is an intent to it. And the intention was, oh, it's the framing is incredible too. The set design is incredible. And I just hope that um, people go out and just sit down and watch the movie. It's on Mubi. Um, you can sign up for a uh, three-month trial, 99 cents. Watch it. Give it your time. Bet. This this movie will get nominated for Best International Future, but I don't think it's going to win. I think um, All Quiet on, this, on the Western Front will win. Oh, okay. The decision to leave or close, um, A24 is close, but mm-hmm. close has not released here as well. Um, but Decision to Leave is a great movie, and it deserves, like y'all, please watch it. If you're a fan of Korean film, I think you will love this movie. Um, it is, I mean, it's on my list. It's it, not, is, it's, it, was, it is the first film I've seen from this director, and what I've researched him more, and I've heard people talking about him, that his style is like this, and I love his style. It's very creative, and he plays a lot with symbolisms, a lot, mm. a lot, and his framing has a lot of symbolism and it's he's very intentional with each frame and i think as someone with me who's very detail oriented and wants to be a very detail oriented person who picks their frames and wants to make sure like each frame tells a story i feel like he does the same thing with with this movie and decision to leave i know it didn't hit for some people but for me it hit and it had me thinking about had me thinking about it all night and again y'all please watch it it is a great movie facts I need to watch it. Uh, it's on my list, and I have I've watched two Korean films now, really, um, and that was Parasite and Drive My Car, mm-hmm. uh, and they were both Wait, great. Is Korean is Drive My Car. Japanese? Oh no, is it Japanese? Drive My Car it's Japanese. Japanese film. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, so actually, Parasite's the only one that I've watched. Um, but there are plenty of really good Asian films that we've seen, even like RRR coming out of uh, Bollywood. Yo, yes, people are loving yes, loving yes. RRR. So, you know, don't knock international films, man. There's there's plenty of uh, film out there that you can appreciate if you get over uh, the one-inch barrier of subtitles, as uh, yeah. Hong Joon-ho loves to say. We we tried RRR here the other day. Like, we tried to go through it, but there was something off about the way that it's dubbed. And, yeah. like, the, the, it's dubbed and not in sync with... I don't. I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> it was weird. We put it in like the original Indian language that it was shot in, and it was still dubbed. Like you can tell yeah, that the yeah. audio was not matching with the, the whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, I think that's a style um, that they do. Um, that and and I don't know. It was it was just to, hard to get used to. Yeah, RR was really hard for me to get into too because I'm just not. I'm not. Um, I'm not educated enough on Bollywood films, mm-hmm. and I think that was my. Because I've heard a lot of praise for it, and I think that's another film that's up for contention. It not is. only for Best International Feature, but Best Picture. It, might, um, it probably will get a Best it, Picture nod. And for me, it, that's like no disrespect to RR at all. It's simply that I just have to, I think, sit down and just just let it play through. It play, I think at yeah. first I was, uh, it was hard. It was hard for me. Yeah. And again, I'm going to go back to it, but it was hard for me to watch it. I think um, you need a more like, uh, more relaxed intro to Bollywood before mm, diving yeah. into that one, possibly. I yeah, have one may, for you. Maybe. I, uh, Jeremy Johns he put it in his top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He's not one to really like watch Bollywood movies like that, but he said that in his top 10 reviews, he said that a critic friend of his said, You need to watch RRR because it's everything that you love in film. It has everything that you watch, go to the movies for. And he was like, I don't know how to feel about that. And then he watched mm-hmm. it and he was like, Yeah. Yeah, I will say the opening sequence was kind of wild. No, oh, yeah, it's Bollywood's Bollywood's cra- Bollywood's Bollywood crazy. ambitious. They've got crazy. crazy sets. They got mm-hmm. crazy no, this, everything. They're mm-hmm. really, they're really on it in terms of like what they put into their production of their films. Yeah. 
you can't knock it. And I'm sure there's great acting performances. I've just never dove yeah. into mm -hmm. it. So, you know, that's the next uh, one to break into. Charlie, you're number six. Uh, I think it's five. Charlie, oh, you already did your number six? Yes. Oh, wow. My number six, six was The Northman. Oh, oh the yes. Northman. Yep. What was yeah. your number six? Mine was The Menu. The Menu. The Menu. Decision to leave. Decision All right. Leave. So we're on number five. Number five. Yeah. You want me to go first? or Let's have Abe go first with his cool. number five. Oh, God. Okay. This is where we start to get into it. I think, yeah. I think that's yeah. where we'll see a lot top, of changes. Top five is going to start to get into it. All right. So my number five is, this is a hard one because I didn't know where to put this film, but uh, I've... I've thought about it a lot, a lot, a lot, and this is a controversial one for a lot of people, but it's uh, the whale. Um, yeah, the whale is. is is my top five. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a film directed by Darren Ar uh, Aronofsky. He's crazy. He is crazy. He's, He's the crazy. one who did Black Swan, correct? Yeah, did Black Swan. He did. Um, uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on the film. I have him on IMDb. Um, he did Mother, and he did the one that scarred me for life too. What's the one, bro? It has oh, Jared oh, Leto. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, oh my God, it's coming to me. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Reckon for a dream. Yeah, that's it. For a dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it, that's that. Yo, I quick. All right, sorry. Quick break, y'all. I saw this in the library of my school on my computer. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take a study break. <laughs> Not a good idea. Not a good idea. I went home. In silence, driving home. I didn't put music on. I just went home in silence because I was so scarred. <laughs> but it's yeah. a great film. Yeah. He's a <laughs> Shout crazy. out Darren, man. Shout out Darren. Yeah. He's, a, he's a crazy director. Anyway, um, Brendan Fraser is the uh, protagonist. Um, he plays Charlie. Um, and then Sadie Sink is a supporting actress. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have heard about The Whale, but it's a portrayal of a very... Um, obese man who is dying and he is trying to reconnect with his daughter who has been estranged and uh this was a hard film to watch it's a it's a heavy movie no I, like no joke this is this is a very tough film to watch and um i know that a lot of people were split on this film and there was a lot of criticism about this film being like hurtful and hateful and you know talks of like fat phobia and stuff like that and i you know I respect people's opinions of whatever but um speaking from my perspective um speaking from a person who has been obese and you know i i dropped a lot of weight and struggled with that for a very very long time um there were things in this film that hit home for me because they were true and because they were just like point blank like fact mm -hmm. um when you struggle with obesity, there will be people in your life who put you down for it. Mm. Point blank period, it's going to happen. It's a reality, mm. that's life. Not to glorify it, but that stuff happens and it hurts. Um, food can end up being a vice is another thing. Mm -hmm. Like there, how many films have we seen about alcoholics and drug addicts and you look at people and you know, we as the audience will see them as disgusting. And like, there's people that are close to them in those films and talking to them and being like, you're a drug addict, like get a hold of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You change that just because it's food, it, it can still be a vice when it's an addiction and when you are in a, in a place where, you know, that is your, your, your dopamine and, and your way of ha getting happiness is to indulge in, in eating. Yeah. Um, that's a real thing. That's not to be like, aha, fat people, like that's all they do is eat. No, that's like a real thing people struggle with. Mm -hmm. So 
this movie went into all of that. Uh, so the subject matter is really, really touchy. But Brendan Fraser is phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. Sadie Sink is incredible. She's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, actress, she is. yeah, she is. She's going to be really, really good. Um, and Darren Aronofsky is a, is a director that whatever he wants you to feel, he's going to make it happen. Yeah. He's super intentional with the way he shoots, um, with the way that his uh, transitions are, and, and the way he frames things. It's all super intentional. I felt like I was trapped in this in this room with Brendan Fraser's character Charlie um because he's kind of facing the realities of life and that's mm -hmm. what I felt uh Darren Aronofsky was trying to portray um and this uh film was based off of a play um and I've heard that a, like it's very similar to the play I've heard the screenplay is almost like identical to the play um and uh this the screenwriter of the play um Jesus Ruby you're killing us today she is she is a hazard right now. <laughs> an absolute hazard she's like crawling all over Shake the place off, she's, not, she's not doing well <laughs> she, she just wants to get down yeah, can you funny. leave thank you i love you but like <laughs> you are you're going off right now um but the way that he wants you to feel is exactly what he puts on screen and that is something to me that i really appreciate because that's all you're trying to do as a director mm-hmm you want to make people feel what you're trying to portray with the story. Mm -hmm. And he really, really did that. Yeah. Brendan Fraser, to me, deserves best actor. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that, man. To me, he deserves best actor. I can see arguments for Austin Butler, um, and I wouldn't you know, hate it if he didn't, but I think for Brendan Fraser to have a resurgence like this and to do this kind of role um and, and to really kill it was incredible so yeah uh the whales of film i haven't stopped um you know talking about i understand if you don't like it you came out of the film feeling a certain type of way you got to respect that but for me it hit home for a lot of different reasons and yeah. i think uh in the end um the payoff was really it, it was crazy the way it ended was crazy but like it's a great film man it's a yeah. great film i watched it by myself um with a cheeseburger it was hard. Yeah. It was a hard watch for me. Um, it was a lot. I was like, Jesus, this is a lot for me. I was, I knew coming in it was going to be tough, but I did not know it was going to be like that hard. And I was just me doubting Darren because I knew Darren is, cra is very, uh, very daring. Mm -hmm. And he's, like you said, very intentional. And I left the movie very depressed, very sad. It's sad. It's um, a sad movie. Again, it, it's, it is a great film though. Is a great film, but I think you have to be a, a, a very. You have to be ready to see this movie. You just can't sit down and be like, oh, "I'm gonna put the wheel on." If you do that, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna really mess you up, yeah. because it, it not only dives into um, obesity and that's and that matter, but it dives into religion, it dives into yeah. addiction, it dives into sexuality. Sex again, sexuality as well. It's a lot of themes, and a lot of people are hurt by this movie. Broken families. But in a lot, again, exactly. And a lot of people are hurt. But I think what's good about The Whale is that The Whale is a movie that starts conversations. Yeah, it does. And it and inhibits us to, to go out. You know, if we see this with our friend or with a group of people or just with one person by our side, it's going to start a conversation where we can really um, analyze ourselves but analyze the world and the state that we are in today and the society that we live in. And I think that's why um, a lot of people are putting it in their top 10 because it is a movie that starts discussion. And if a movie can start discussion right after you finish it, I think it's great. 
The only reason I didn't include it is again because I had more more movies that I liked, but um, it did hit me really hard. It hit me really hard. Mm. Maybe I wasn't at the best mental capacity when I was watching it. I think it was the first movie where I was not ready. Mm. Um, maybe I can I, see that. Where I, maybe I can get. Maybe I'm gonna give it a second try. Maybe I'm gonna love it more. Maybe I give it a second try and I hate it more. You know. But that's why I didn't want to. I didn't put it on the mentions because I felt iffy about it. Um, yeah. But it was a great movie. Yeah. To say the least. I think that uh, it's definitely a movie that will split opinion. And I think that, uh, you know, it's definitely not for everybody. But I think for the people that it really hits home for, um, you can learn to appreciate it and appreciate the themes in a way that um, nobody else can. So for me, that's why it's up there. And it's my number five. Yep. Number five. I'll go with my number five. Go ahead. Um, my number five is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Wow. Um, I saw it twice already. Seen it twice. Saw it first time with you guys on a back to back after seeing Knives Out. I was a wreck. I was bawling my eyes out. <laughs> Abe was next to me the entire time, and I cried my heart out the entire movie. Um, I was not expecting it to be a family drama and yeah, like diving into family dynamics and how no family is perfect and every family has its struggles. I was not expecting that at all. I thought it was just gonna be a movie about loving cinema mm-hmm. and being a film of being a filmmaker and a storyteller no it's not it's (laughs) it's more (laughs) and just seeing that alone i was like whoa like this is this this was a lot and steven spielberg man he really is incredible um he's an inspiration to millions of people and he is going to continue to do that charlie talked about it because it's on his list but in the second time watching it i really got to dive into um spielberg's direction and there's some scenes where I'm like, mm, you are so freaking smart. You are so smart. <laughs> you are Steven. <laughs> like, you are him. Because there was a scene where they're um, watching um, Sammy's um, Sammy's uh, film, mm-hmm. right? And we have Paul Dano on the left, Michelle Beto's character on the middle, in the middle, and um, um, Jonah Hill. No, not Jonah oh, Hill. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen's character on the right. And when the movie finishes, it's framing all three. And then Spielberg quickly pans to the right. It only keeps um, Sammy's mom in the middle and uh, Seth Rogen's character to the right. And that alone just already showed. You know you know exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. the scene I'm talking about. That mm-hmm. scene alone, I was like, mm, that's it. Yeah. And it's, and it's not like some technical achievement where it's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the movie to win cinematography. This is the movie. It could be the movie to win cinematography because the cinematography is is straightforward, and it and it does it well. But that man, I can keep going about it. But um, this movie hit me really, really hard. That was a great movie, and I I get why people are not loving it as much because it does it does cater more to the to the film nerds and the film school nerds yeah. which I understand I guess and some people are like oh those people I guess, are but I'm gonna say this to your point about the family dynamics and everything like that like I personally think that this movie forget about Steven Spielberg if you didn't know this was a film about Steven Spielberg you would enjoy this film yeah and it would be a great film without you knowing that it's a Steven Spielberg story about how he fell in love with cinema mm-hmm. like if, if this just happened to be like the 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 passion of Sammy, like, and, and it just happened to be film, or, or it, take take out film and make it something else. Mm-hmm. Like he has a passion. All of the elements of the film would still work, and it would still be a great story. Yeah, 
And that is what I think, you know, he didn't just rely on the trope of like, let me tell my story about why cinema is beautiful. Like he did that while also giving us a great, beautiful story that I think a lot of people can connect with. Yeah. Beautifully said. And I connect with this movie so much. I really do. I bought it. I've watched it multiple times. I need to buy it. <laughs> but it, it is a great movie. Charlie, hit us with your number five. My number five goes to Babylon by Damien Chazelle. Let's go, bro. Let's um, go. Let's go. I'm hyped right yeah. here. I'm excited. I because yes, yes, yes. It's a good movie. It's yes, movie. I yes. wanted to put it up higher. I really did. But the two things that kept me from doing that is a really strange third act ish thing and the runtime. <laughs> I thought both were kind of unnecessary. Yep, and. That's it. That those are the two major negatives for me. If that if that wasn't a problem, this prob this probably would have been my number one. Here's so, the thing. Yeah, I know this is on Davi's top ten list. I know it's somewhere. I know we haven't heard it yet, and I know it's there. I'm gonna go on a monologue, so I'm waiting. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about. I'm not talking about it right. I'm not gonna talk about it right now. I'm not. It's I'm really not. Top. It's gonna be his top. It's I'm not, really gonna be, not. It's gonna be in his top two. It's, it's gonna be in his top two or his top number three. One. It's gonna be his number. So but <laughs> here here is how. I agree with what, everything that Charlie said, um, and I'm gonna say this now before, because I, I can get all the negative things out of the way because I didn't, I had issues with this film. I think that this film is when Damon Chazelle is inspired by Baz Luhrmann. That is how I can fucking explain it because, like, <laughs> it is just like it's so ambitious, which is not a bad thing, to the point where I think we lose some of the story. Buy all of the fluff. Let's watch it again. And and that is the. I'll go ahead and watch it again, and I promise you, I'll have the same take. I think I think you're. I can see what you're saying because of the similarities to like maybe Great Gatsby and stuff like that. Like huge party scenes. Like they, you could tell they threw money at that stuff. Big production, yeah. whatever. But then, uh, not caring as much for certain elements of the story yes. and the character. That's what I'm saying. Because I think there were elements of this that I was like, oh, and, and don't get me wrong. In the film, I was entertained by all of it. Like the, there was not a point where I was not like entertained. And I give credit to the movie for doing that. But I think there were more interesting elements to the story that the story veered off into these weird tangents that I was like, bro, I would have much rather have seen more of this or like, a little bit more progression. In Chazelle, release a six-hour cut. Release it. I know you have it. Release I don't want a six-hour cut. Keep it. I keep want it. it. Chazelle, keep it. I want it. Keep it. It's I on his want iPhone. It. I it's want on it. his iPhone. It's just him in his backyard. So I, I want it. I want it. <laughs> no. Uh, for me, this is a miss. But there's a lot of there's a lot of elements that I love, and it's Damon Chazelle. And like, if you like it, it's a polarizing film. So if you like it, I can't hate on you. But it didn't work for no. me. No. Yeah, Valid. I'm not gonna go into monologue right now not because yet. you guys are already predicting to so me, already right. putting it on my list. No, so. I'm, now I'm the, now I got all my negatives out. So then when you go in your monologue, you can just roll. So don't worry about <laughs> all it. All right, listen. I, and the, I'll try those, to say those. We said some negative things, but it's at my number five, bro. Listen, it's my yeah. top. It's in yeah. my top ten. It's at number five. Yeah. It's a great film. No, it is. It a is great a film. great film. I enjoyed it. You are entertained throughout the entire thing. Margot Robbie is is fantastic. Bradley. Uh, not Bradley Cooper. Brad Pitt. Jesus Christ. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt is good, not great. This is another. Don't sleep on Diego Calva, bro. Diego no. Calva was 
but he, ridiculously good. He's, he is fantastic as well. He's incredible in this whole thing. Obviously, he's the you know main character and stuff. Margot Robbie steals the show, but he he was fantastic. I think this is his first like major role, right? Haven't seen him in anything else. Um, but I loved his arc. I loved his character arc. I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, and uh, Margot Robbie's character arc was was really good too. It just I feel like it lacked in more backstory for us to feel a little bit more connected to her. Agreed. Um, but besides all that, I love how Chazelle like pays homage to you know filmmaking in the nineteen twenties. Uh, the struggle that it is from going from silent films to talkies, um, recording sound. <laughs> that one scene where the guy flips out on set <laughs> is one of the greatest things I've ever that seen in a movie. It was amazing. I loved it. Um, yes. This movie's brutal. Um, it shows the dark sides of Hollywood as well as the good sides of Hollywood. Um, something that Hollywood itself... Um, doesn't really do in its films and I'm surprised that this got greenlit I'm not gonna lie to you because it, in, a, in a way Chazelle is very much critiquing Hollywood and um, how you know you basically give up your your life for fame for success uh, in term in in turn like uh, being participating in the dark sides of Hollywood but um, somehow, and in the end, he still is in love with it all, you know? And I think that's a really powerful underlying story within this whole thing that you can see through Manny's character. Um, and it's a great, it's a good time. It's at number five. Again, not for everyone. It's another one of those movies. It's, it's kind of niche. It, it falls in the same place as The Fablemans, in the same place as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like a love story to Hollywood and filmmaking and stuff like that. I don't think general audiences are really going to get it, but yeah. it's a good time. I have I two agree. more things to say before we move on from this topic. Mm -hmm. um, one, I think this is more of the what you were saying with The Fablemans, where this appeals to the film nerds. I think this film appeals to the film nerds much more than it would like The Fablemans. Like if, if yeah. one had to carry, then this would no, carry yeah. The film one, nerds. Yeah, you're right. Because all the film nerds are loving this movie. Loving this movie. A lot of the film nerds are loving this movie. Well, yeah, and course. I get it. And I you, buy it. You get to see like full on like yeah. scenes being shot and like yes. how they would do it. It's it's the ins and outs of Hollywood and it dives deep into all of it. And yeah, I get why people love it. Um, the reason why you're seeing me so passionate about this, by the way, is not because it's a bad film. Because I, I did enjoy this movie. I watched it and I enjoyed it. I love Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle has made arguably my top movie of all time. And then another movie in my top 10 movies of all time. So I, ho I hold this director in very high esteem. So when I go to a film and I'm like left not 100% satisfied, then I get extra critical and that's just me. Um, so that's the only reason that I'm knocking it. But it's still a really, really good movie. It's super ambitious. I don't think, uh, I don't know a lot of directors that can make something like this. So This uh, is another thing that I mentioned to David though, is that that was just my reaction to watching it once. I feel like it's a movie that it, once I go and watch it another time. I feel like it's I'm fair. going to like it more. That's fair. And I and I and I will hold my hand up and say that maybe I should watch it again and see if I, it changes my mind. I really don't think it will because I think that the things that I had an issue with, I'll probably still have an issue with. But we shall see. Um yeah, that's my thoughts. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. All right, let's head on to number 4. 
number four, number four, number four. I have the Banshees of Inshir. We finally got one. <laughs> yes. God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I also have it at number four. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Bro. We can knock this out together. I do not because I am halfway Are, through the movie right now. What? What? You Charlie? I was not able to finish it in time for this. Episode. What? A amazing film and i'm so glad i went alone to the theaters with a bunch of 50 year olds in there and me <laughs> by my the young, again a young person and i was literally the young, youngest person in that movie theater went by myself ton of 50 year olds all those people are irish by the way all most likely irish. all <laughs> irish americans or whatever yeah. but bro we were all dying and having a great time and then right at the end it just yeah it just it just rips you it like rips you into pieces where you just sit there and you're like, what the, what the heck was that? And I'm telling you, it's the first time where I went to movie theater. First time I went to movie theater, and I've seen so many people stay, and just sit, and just yeah. let the movie sit. Thought that they were waiting for a credit scene. They just let the movie sit. Like people were genuinely like, what the heck did we just watch? Like this was a lot. And that's what Banshee of Insurance did to me, bro. I was, I was, I was dumbfounded on how realistic it is yeah and also the themes in this movie the themes of um the themes of mental health but also the themes of um the ireland civil war mm -hmm. and though that too alone obviously i don't understand irish culture i knew a little bit coming in and i started to understand a little bit but when i read more things about it i was i was like damn i've never seen an irish film that was not happy. <laughs> Every Irish movie I've watched was so depressing, but the, but, um, the overall theme and the ending message of the Irish films that I've seen has always been good, and it, and it sticks. I think that's why it makes that's why the Banshees of Inchirin was Inchirin was so impactful for me because the message it stick like it stuck out to me so much. It like, yeah. ba basically like it tattooed myself on my arm. Like I was tattooing the message in my arm. Because that's how much it impacted me, right? The impact was huge. Some people might be like, eh, I don't get the hype. But y'all, guys, this movie is... It's either between everything, everywhere, all at once, or the Banshees of Insurance to win Best Picture. Damn. And I 100% understand if it wins Best Picture because it does deserve it. So... I also have it as my number four. Um, I agree with everything that Davi said. The thing that I really like about this um, film is the commentary on like friendships. I thought it was super interesting to see just like, and, and this is not really spoiling because it's in the premise of the film, but like, imagine if your friend, your best friend just wakes up one day, decides he doesn't like you no more. I thought that was interesting, like right super off the bat. Super interesting. Because I didn't really know anything about the movie, but I was like, right that's interesting it draws you in because it's yeah. like you never think of that yeah you never think about the fact that like your best friend could just wake up one day and just not like you anymore aspect of it as well yeah how it yeah oh, and it's, it's funny because it's it's, it's incredible it's funny but it's also kind of like you're, you're laughing at it and you're also kind of like this is depressing this hurts, yeah it's this depressing <laughs> and it's like it's almost like you're laughing to kind of cope mm -hmm. because it's like this is the only way that I, you can kind of get through this the the movie and, and kind of um um, Podrick's um like 
coping with this uh, development in his life, right? In his life in general. Parks is a super interesting character. I think I think the movie is throwing in your face. Parks dull. He's dumb. He's he's super complex. I think yeah. his character is really yeah. deep. Colin Farrell. What a freaking year for no, this no, man. No. This man's an actor and a half, bro. <laughs> the fact that he can go from penguin, penguin to in, that, in Batman like, to that is crazy. His range is unbelievable. Nah, it's it, unbelievable. It, also, um, uh, I know that him and the uh, his co-star and whose name I'm I'm don't want to forget. So let me uh, make sure I have it here on IMDb. Uh, uh, Brandon Gleeson. Um, they have insane chemistry. Uh, they've worked together in in Bruges with the same uh, director, Martin McDonough, right? Um, so I, I, this was a really great pairing. Um, yo, this film, I have no, I'm the least Irish person you'll ever meet in your life. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know much about Irish culture either, but something about, um, this movie just really stuck with me. And it is exactly what Davi said. You sit there and you're contemplating this movie. And it's one of those movies that makes you think for a while. Um, and it's a it's a dope dope film, and I recommend everybody watch it, um, even if you're really unsure about it. If you don't like it, whatever, it's not your cup of tea. But I recommend everybody watch it because it's a really really good movie. Um, something else that I really wanted to say, I think all the performances are underrated. Yo, Barry, Barry, yeah, I was about to say that. I was like, Barry you have to Kilgan, say it. Barry Kilgan, um, and, and that's how he pronounces his name. I've heard it a million different ways. But Barry Kilgan is becoming one of my favorite actors uh, of this oh. this generation, this new generation of actors. Because he is weird. That scene of him accepting the heartbreak and him getting rejected. Yeah. Oh my. From the little I've seen of it so far, I was like, geez, this kid has range, dude. Dude, he's insane. He's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. I just want, you know, we saw like the little, uh, the scene that was cut from the Batman of him as the Joker. We saw him in Eternals yeah. and like it's such different roles all over the place. Like this one was very different as well. And I, I'm, I'm just yeah shocked. I'm going to tell man, you this great. too right now. I have this thing for supporting actors. I love a good supporting actor and I have like a Mount Rushmore of supporting actors and he's, he's getting up there. Yeah. For me, it's like Christoph Waltz is like the top of the top for me. Like you have Christoph Waltz supporting is dope. Uh, Tom Hardy is another one. Mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell and then like Barry Keoghan. Like those are I my like supporting Ma- actors. Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali is a great one on well. that list as well. But, it's a great list. But but like I, I, I love supporting actors and this man. If I see, I'm a I'm a slut for going to any movie with this man because like, you put him on the, <laughs> on the cast. I'm like I'm going. I don't even know what the hell the movie's about. He's, I'm gonna go. He's incredibly talented and so gifted. Good. He's gift. He has a gift. So good. And Martin McDonough is a great filmmaker yeah. too. By the way, the director. So. Three billboards I saw at Ebbing, Missouri. Charlie see that as well. Charlie, wake the. F- Wake, wake up, up, dog. Just wake up. Nah, I can't believe you didn't start watching this movie before <laughs> Yo, three billboards. No, 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 no. That's that's crazy behavior. We're gonna get you. We're gonna I get you sorted. Couldn't finish it. That's messy, bro. That's messy. I apologize. But you're gonna watch it, right? You're gonna finish it. Yes. Okay. I'm going to finish. All righty. <laughs> All right. Charlie, hit me with your number four, bro. I'll be ready f- with it before our Oscars stream. Stream. Okay. So, um, my number four. There's not much to say because we already said a lot about it. It's the Batman. Matt Reeves, the Batman's my number four. Woo! This, yeah, it. Da, 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 I just love bah, the tone of this bah, movie. Bah, yeah, bah, I love bah, the theme, how it made me bah, feel. Bah. And in an era where superhero movies are becoming extremely saturated, this was a welcome change. It just felt fresh. Yep. And I loved it. It's when you give time for for quality, and yeah. 
not quantity. Yep. I think that's the purpose of superhero movies. And we have to look at quality. Absolutely. And taking time to make these movies because when you do it, we get Matt Reeves. When you do it, we get the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan. When you do it, we get um the Joker. Yep. When you do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's a pattern here, and, guys. And, and not being afraid to like step outside of the box of your film and, of your superhero movies. And it's and it's bending and it's bending not only the blockbuster, you know, genre, but also the artistic genre as well and putting it together. So it's yep. like basically getting movie and film and bringing it together. Yeah. Because you can categorize film and movie as two different things, but some people do. But I think that's what, when you can do that, when you can make a film, but also a movie and put them together, that is beautiful. Yeah. And Mavericks did really it. The knee does it with Dune. I can go on. But yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it when directors have that perfect blend of the two. Yeah, um, when you can make it a blockbuster and it's also art. Yeah. That's that's what it is. But I think the thing that I most enjoyed about the Batman is um, the aspect of Batman being like a detective. Yeah, is what I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like taking his time, looking at the evidence to solve this mystery, and then he goes in guns blazing mm-hmm. and does Batman shit. Oh. That's I really enjoyed it. I really did. And his character development is so good because he's always like vengeance, vengeance, vengeance. Vengeance, my family. But at the end, he just realizes having vengeance is not. It's not. It's not what's going to save Gotham. It's not yeah. what's going to keep the city running. And and you know what's dope about this is I think that this adaptation allows for the most amount of character development for a Bruce Wayne Batman character we've seen. And we've only seen the first movie. And we've only seen the first movie mm-hmm. because I think that since we're starting so early in this kind of new Batman mm-hmm. realm. Um, and which not to say that we didn't with Batman Begins, but it kind of went from like Batman Begins and then Dark Knight is like kind of like a time jump in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of just accelerates to him being Batman for a long time. Um, but like this, we're going to see, I'm hoping, you know, a lot more uh, progression with the character and uh, uh, more growing pains and things like that. So, uh, I, yeah, I love this movie and, uh, you know, it could really go anywhere on this list. If someone put it out there, number one, I wouldn't be mad. Nope. Yeah, I agree. I'm so agree. Charlie, we're going back to you. Hit us with your top three, your third film on your list. I messed up. My number three, I accidentally put something that was in my honorable mentions, so, um, which was the menu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was gonna say you're not. Putting it was uh, that that was a mistake. Um, so, but you know what? I will keep it there. I will keep the menu there. You're gonna put it there? Yeah, I'm gonna put it there. You know why? Because. I don't think I've gone into a movie this year that surprised me as much as this one. Right. Like I, I completely went in, I went to it, into it completely blind. Mm-hmm. And then we were, you know, we had, we were sitting with our friends and I just looked over to one of them and I was like, it got to a point in the movie where I was like, is this a horror? And she, and she was like, it looks like it might be. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, I don't do horror. I'm not a horror person. Um, Thankfully, it's not like horror, um, but yeah, this movie really, really surprised me. It was a pleasant surprise. If it, it felt like, um, have you guys seen Ready or Not? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was a pleasant surprise for me as well. Yeah. The year it came out, so this kind of felt like that again. It was satisfying to watch. This is when Jeremy John's top ten as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Ready or Not. 
don't don't take a group of church people to see Ready or Not. <laughs> Yo, I love that movie. Bro. <laughs> that was a great movie. It was a movie great movie. So good. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny. So yeah, um, I'll keep the menu there. It's nice. It's a really good film. Top three. Eight. And now I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> four, three, and two were ones that I like keep shuffling. Yeah. So much so that my uh my number two I had to bump down to number three. Wow. Just now. Wow. Because I was like, yo, I, I, I have to put this other movie number two. So, and I think you're going to start knowing what this is, Navi, once I say this one. Um, my number three is The Fablemans. Um, people have talked about it. Um, I absolutely love that movie. Everything I've said about it, I uh, already, um, again, same, same stuff. I think that if you take away the fact that this is a movie about Steven Spielberg's childhood and you take away the fact that it's about um, loving film, you're still going to get a great film out of this, a great story. So that's what I think makes it so good is that, you know, it's it's uh, it's a, a story and something that everybody can connect with. Also, is it Michelle Williams? Who's the? Yeah, the, Michelle Williams. Yeah. Yo. She's incredible in everything she does. Dude, they messed up in awards. They should have. Is she not getting anything? No. The problem is she shouldn't have gone in for lead actress. Should have gone in for supporting. She should have gone in for supporting. No. Uh, that no. She should have gone in for supporting. If who's she went, the lead actress in that film? Oh, because she's not. A, yeah, yeah. She's a she's a supporting yeah, role. I got what you mean. Her role is supporting, and they and sub, they submitted her for a a lead. Yeah, I get. Yeah. I think that was the problem. If she was supporting, she would have swept every single awards. Hundred percent. Sarah uh, award show ever, bro. She would have swept it this year. Yeah, here's, everything. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Um, I can see why they wouldn't want to be like this is just a supporting character. Because she's a mother. Because because no nah, because I I think she's central to all the themes of this film. Ruby, get down, please. She <laughs> wants to participate. Sit. It's okay. Sit. Continue. Good girl. Sorry. She's at the center of this film. Mm-hmm. And in a way, she kind of is the main character mm-hmm. because it's all about dreaming. Mm-hmm. Like the film is all about be- dreams and practicality. Mm-hmm. And she represents the dreams and his dad represents the practical reality sense of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, her, she's a symbol of like dream and there's happiness in that. But there's also like you can get lost in your dreams and you can start living in fantasy and like that's dangerous. And things like that, right? And I, I thought it was a she was a beautiful symbolism for this entire film. So I can understand why they would say she's a lead actress in this movie because to me, she stole the show. Mm-hmm. She stole the show. I can't think of a, like I don't think any actor acted better than her but in this film. It sucks because she's not gonna get the win. No, she's not gonna get. She's the win. not going to. But you know what? I still think that her performance will will stand the test of time. Like, I mm-hmm. think that people will look back at this performance and be like, holy crap, because she was so good. Yeah, she was. So good. She was. When actors can put on, like, a great performance um, that, uh, how do I really explain this? Like, they don't need the chemistry of other people to make you realize how good of a performance they're putting on. It's just like their they're solo performance, yeah. like, that that is captivating you. It's, it's, an, it's next level. And I really don't know. I feel like I could put that in a better way, but... Uh, she really stole the show for this for me, but the, the entire movie is incredible. The cast, the cast is great. Paul Dano is great. Um, the kid who plays Sammy is really good. So, uh, yeah, The Fablemans is up there. It's one of my favorite films. And this is a film that I would recommend anybody to watch. Also, don't forget Paul Dano was also in The Batman. Yeah. yeah yo, Paul Dano. <laughs> huge year for Paul Dano. Shout out Paul Dano. 
Great year for anyone who was involved in the Batman. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Colin Farrell and Paul Dano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good and Barry. And Barry. And Barry. And Barry. Yep. Yeah, crazy. Barry, all having good if you were in the Batman, it's looking good yeah. for you. <laughs> you got a good career. Facts. Um, That's my number three. Uh, your number three? Yeah. My number three mm-hmm. is Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Mm. Okay, let's get wow, it. Wow, well, I thought it was going to be your number one. Oh, I thought it was going to be my number one. Okay, no, it was. All, it wasn't even on my list. It was not on my list whatsoever. But I was. Um, every single time I talked to my girlfriend Rachel on the phone, I would always talk about Babylon, <laughs> and she was like, "It does not make sense for you to not include that on your list. It makes no sense. You're talking about this movie all the time. It has to be on your list." She's like, "Davi, wake up!" And I was like, "You know what? I'm going to see this movie tomorrow by myself." I'm going to go again. I'm going to go again, and I'm going to see why it's not on our list and maybe why it deserves a spot. I head in there, 5 o'clock, same thing. A bunch of 50-year-olds in the theater again. And I'm there <laughs> like, all right, let's 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 get ready. Let's get ready. And I'm like, okay, I sit down, get my food, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yo. <sighs> Man. Guys, I get it. It's a film nerd movie. I understand. People who love or film nerds who are in film school, I under one hundred percent understand. But um, this is the type of movie that get people talking. It's split. Like these are move. These are the movies that we need to be made because these movies are the movies that start discussion, that start conversation, that start debates. And I'm so glad Chazelle did that because it is a very ambitious film. But why I love this movie so much is not only that it is a love letter to Hollywood, it's also a hate letter to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's a quote from mm-hmm. Giselle. Okay. From Giselle. And it shows the, the darkness that is the industry. And when it shows the darkness, it is brutal, y'all. It feels like a horror movie. And I think when I saw that scene and it ended, and when um, uh, Diego Cava's character, they shoot Every single one but him. And he's there pleading, perdón, 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 perdón. And see him cry. It was that moment I was like, yep. Yep. Yeah, it's on my list. And it not only shows, the, like I said, it shows how disgusting the industry can be. And how messed up and effed up it is. It is very messed up. But it also shows the beauty. And how it, it impacts people from generations from different cultures and there is a specific scene with um margot robbie's character and diego at the beginning of the scene and they're talking about like i just want to make movies i just want to make something where someone can feel it where someone can feel it and it it just sticks with them and and they they're just talking about the love right and as a storyteller myself like that's all i want i just want to make something where they can just feel it feel the pain feel the the happiness feel the glory feel everything right and feel he's something. feel something. That's what he says. He's like, feel something. I just want people to feel something. And that's what Babylon does. You feel so many things. I get it. There's flaws. There's flaws in everything. But the but what makes films so impactful is the feeling. It's what hits in the heart. Right? And Babylon hit me right in the heart. It hit me so hard that I was like, yep, it's on my list. Because it's not only a spectacle and a beauty to look at, but it's also a tragedy, yeah. right? And the world, realistically speaking, is filled with so much darkness and tragedy, but also there is beauty in everywhere we go. Mm. And it's surrounding, and you have to surround yourself with people 
who will inspire you and a group of people who will push you to be the better version of yourself. And what we saw in Babylon was that they weren't doing that. You were seeing people just pursuing materialistic gains and wanting something, right? They were not looking for the impact. You know, yeah, they were talking about feeling something, but as it was going, they weren't, they were empty. Yeah, the characters were completely empty and they got distracted by drugs. They got distracted by money. They got distracted by um, fame. Mm-hmm. They, they lost reality into why they wanted to start this in the first place. Yeah. And that just goes to show that you have to understand the foundation as to why you're starting something, the foundation as to why you have your goals set, the foundation as to why you want to pursue a career and keep that mentally in your head because if you don't, you will fall in a trap. And that's what happens. Each character falls in a hole that they cannot get themselves out. And that's why I love Babylon so much. Something just dawned on me as you were speaking about that. And this kind of, that was a good thing, I think, for Chazelle's canon. Um, Babylon is the anti-La La Land. Yeah, it is. It is just the, the La La Land is the optimistic, um, cheery, like, here's what you do if you really put your all into your art and you and you love what you do like you can make it and you can be successful mm-hmm. and you know while it might not work out exactly the way you thought you will have your happy ending babylon is the opposite of that yeah it's you throw yourself into all of that here's what can come of it if you don't keep yourself grounded mm-hmm. um and to that you know props to Shazelle. so maybe i do need to rewatch it because the gr- if you're not grounded, it's going to become messy. And that's what Babylon is. Babylon is messy. And I think that's the point. Chazelle wants to make it messy because they're not grounded. They don't have, a- they had the goal, but as the goal was going, it just turned into a mess. And I think that's the point. He wanted to make this film very messy. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, maybe. No, I, I, yeah, I think he, I, can- I think that was his goal to make the film very messy. And again, like I said before, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, 50% audience score. That's where it's at. It's 50-50 on both. That's crazy. It's literally, Jeez, I did not expect that. Yeah, it's crazy. 50-50 on both. That makes no sense. And it's hitting on so many people's top tens. Yeah. And so many yeah. so many people are loving it, so many people are hating it. And that's why I love this movie so much. It's because people are loving and hating are getting into discussions and talking about yeah. why they loved it, why they hate it. Yeah. And that's the beauty of storytelling, the beauty of filmmaking. Yeah. I, I think the point that you made about it being messy was one of the things that actually dawned on me after the film, but I couldn't decide if that was part of the film or if that was just the nature of him being too ambitious. No, no I, I think, think he was very intentional with the I think messiness. it's intentional, like, uh, the chaos in all of it. Like, No, yeah, it, the chaos I definitely get. But in terms of, like, for me, the progression and the character development of the characters were sometimes messy because of the plot. And I don't want to get into all this because I don't want to, uh, you know, I, regardless of that, if there is a symbolism of the fact that the film is messy because this is Hollywood, that's props to Chazelle. Yeah. And that's that's a great... Hollywood is a mess. Yeah. But, like, again, there, the scene that scarred me the most was that scene where they went into the, the, the tunnel. Mm-hmm. That scene was crazy, bro. Yeah, that scene I think, was I think you're, absolutely you're crazy. You're supposed to really get the, the implication of everything's a mess and everything's a kind of a shit show from that uh, intro scene where they send Diego to go and get a camera because all their cameras are broken and they ran out. And Bro, they, they opened the movie thing. with the freaking elephant 
pooping on everyone, yeah, bro. Shitting on that, <laughs> shitting on Diego and the other guy. And like from that standpoint, like when they literally did that, I was like, okay, this film's gonna be very messy. Yeah. Like this is gonna be chaos. Yeah. And it is mm-hmm. all over the place. It's it it is, and I think um, I think that's intentionally done, to be honest. And, and you it's bring up to each his own. If yo, like and you bring up La La Land, the score, the score. If you pay attention, if you pay attention, I don't know musically how to pronounce this or if it's something. You can definitely tell there's similarities to the score with La La Land, there's and I think it's done of under, of very intentionally as well. I heard that as well. There's some undertones of the La La Land theme in there. That's crazy. Yeah. Shout out to Chazelle. I think, regardless, I think Chazelle, this isn't, you know, for me, it doesn't take away from him being a great filmmaker. I think he's still. He does. And he does his, like, staple Chazelle shots. The one of he, the one of him panning handheld dialogue or it's just, it's great. He's, you know, he does the, his direction. He's one of the gems of this new generation of directors. Again, it sucks that this movie is flopping and that no one is seeing it, but then it just makes sense because. I think that's part of it. Yeah, it's. People are not. It might do better on VOD. Video kind on of, VOD, uh, you know. Yeah. It might do better. Kind of speaks to the Brad Pitt character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, some people are going to love your stuff at some point, and sometimes people are not going to love it. And that's, that's the reality yo, of that Hollywood. Scene alone, I think. All right. Last thing. Last thing. Just specific part of that scene where he opens the door, but leaves it open. For just, like, he just leaves it open, just a little bit open. I think that alone was just. That's again very intentional, because it's like he still had a little bit of hope with that door open, little bit of hope. Hmm. I think I think that's what Chazelle wanted to show is that yes he he ended his life, but I think with that small hope of that door open, I think he still had it just a little bit. But I really loved it, man. From cinematography, from the color grading, I think the color grading was freaking phenomenal. Tones set was incredible. Costumes were great. If you guys, if you want to go back to the movie theaters and watch it, text me and say, "Yo, I want to go." Is it still out there? It's still out there. It's, yeah, still, it's still playing. They have a showtime at one. <sighs> if you want to make it, my whole day, dog. It it, it will take. It takes your whole day, whole but day. it's it's magic, and that's what cinema is magic. But, I might I might give it another shot. We'll but, see. Since we're on the top, we're on the top three. Let's just we can take our time with mm-hmm. just talking about this. How do you feel about that ending? Because Chazelle is very good. With his endings, he usually does some sort of like montage or dream sequence or something. She did mm-hmm. again, um, which he did in this movie, but a lot different. Yeah, it was very different. Yeah, because I think what he did was he showed the downfall of Manny, mm-hmm. but then what was so interesting, Manny was seeing the transition. There were basically do what was playing was a parody of what he went through yep. the entire movie. You paid attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. basically a parody of what he went through, yeah. and he's seen that for the first, and he's seen it for the first time. Maybe it's just in his mind. Maybe it's actually what everyone is watching, but that can be discussed. But he's seeing a parody of what he's watching, and he's realizing, "Wow, this has really changed." And I moved on. You know, I found he, he was like, even though I I didn't make it in the industry, I, you know, I I settled down and. Maybe I found my purpose in life. And it completely goes to a montage of just the films made and everything. Like, it's wild. It takes you completely out of it, and it goes back to Manny in the close-up. But in that montage, I think what Chazelle wanted to show was, yeah, um, people will get hurt. People will fall. People will not make it to where they want to make. People 
will get destroyed by other people in the industry. But here, look at this. This is also how film, how movies are changing the landscape of storytelling, are changing people's lives, are changing how the technology evolves and he gives you that montage. And at the end, he cuts back to Manny on that close-up. And I think from there, Manny's seeing not only the evolution from that time, but he's seeing like, wow, like Hollywood is heading towards a direction that I can never get myself involved in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he accepts that. And he's like, okay, I accept it. And mm-hmm. what I've done, I've done. And I'm good with it. Yeah. I think that's how I interpret it. But I think I had a little bit different of a take. I think I did too. Because I might, I may be completely wrong because sometimes yeah. I. Well, no. I think this movie can be interpreted a lot of different ways because Charlie was showing me an interpretation video of the same film and I, the guy said something that I was like, I think that's absolutely wrong and I had a completely different interpretation mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. So I think this is a film that can be interpreted a lot of different ways. The, the small symbolisms. Sorry, yeah. Charlie, go ahead. No, you're fine. Uh, the, uh, the way that I interpreted it is like it's showing um, several things that he's been through, right? So um, showing like the silent films through the talkies, through uh, Singing in the Rain, uh, something that they tried with Brad Pitt's character and then they gave up on and then it got made later on, you know? Um, so he's seeing like the evolution of basically what he built, he helped build in Hollywood and then now realizing that he's no longer a part of that and that it's continuing without him yeah. mm-hmm. as well. Because it never sleeps. Yeah. It will always keep going. Yeah. And, and I think there's... I think there's happiness in there mm-hmm. in his reaction, but also there's regret. And like, I don't know, this like a, like a sadness of this isn't my life anymore. I that's where, again, like, like I said, yeah. that's where he accepted. Yeah. I don't have a place in this anymore. Yeah. I don't know if he necessarily accepts it from my point of view, oh, but yeah. he's in like, he's just in this place of feeling all of the emotions at once. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, I got it from less of a perspective of, of it was about Manny as it was about this like film in general. And I think that it goes back to the first kind of um, thing that he talks about um, with uh, Margot Robbie's character where he's like, I want them to feel something. And I think he goes to this film and of course it's a parody on himself. And then we get the montage and then you get his reaction and it's like he's feeling something. And that was what I got from this is that no matter all of the shit that Hollywood goes through and Hollywood now should have been burned to the ground mm-hmm. because of all of the, the scandals, the craziness, the corruption, the, the, corruption, mm-hmm. the, the, the power dynamics, the, all the messed up shit in Hollywood, it should have been burned to the ground. But the problem is like through all of that, we get some of the most like like coveted pieces of art and storytelling where people feel where people feel something and i think that in that moment manny was realizing like this is why i love him Mm. i'm feeling something yeah and i think that's what i got from it in its simplicity and i think that's part of it but i think that the the good thing about chazelle films is you can interpret all three of the interpretation that we brought in here are valid and i'm telling you someone listening if you're still listening god bless you i love you um (laughs) You probably, if you've seen the movie, you probably have a different interpretation True. of how you saw that scene. Yeah. And I think that's, again, the beauty of filmmaking because at the beginning, Manny is like, I just want to, I just want to make something so someone can feel something, yep. right? 
again, it comes down to the foundation of where the film starts and where the film ends. Yep. We talked so much about this because we didn't do a Babylon pod, and that's on us. <laughs> yeah, it is because we could have <laughs> gone deep into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, wow. Charlie. That being said, Charlie, hit us with your with your third movie. Uh, oh, oh, the you menu. Did the menu. I did it's number two you, actually. Did you see what was your did third? You oh, your the third? Fable. I did the Fable. Vince. Okay, so Charlie's yes. second. Charlie, his was your second. Number two for me is. Drum roll. <laughs> I don't have a drum roll button on the board here. <laughs> we gotta add it. We gotta add it. Yeah. All right. It's E E A A O. Everything, everything. You wanna know something? That's on my second as well. Yeah. Wow. So I know what's at your top. <laughs> you know wow. what's at my top. <laughs> you top. know what's at my top. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, everything, you know what's at my top. Everywhere all at you know once is number two on my list. It's also number two on my list. I think, Abe, I know what your number one is. It's everything, everywhere at once. Yeah. Your number two is. After Sun. Yep. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> Wait a spoiler. <laughs> you made me say it. I already know it. I already know it. I already know it because it was. It yeah, we sense. already know each other's list because those two were going to be up there. Yeah, for those us. two were up there. But we'll sorry. get into this. I'm sorry. sorry. We'll get into this. This is Charlie's moment. Sorry. This is your moment. Sorry, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once is exactly what the title says. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> that. Um, I'm curious what Charlie's number one is now. It, Go ahead. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, it's. It's. It's a great movie. It, it It's another one like the menu cat caught me by surprise because I went into it not knowing anything. I didn't watch the trailer. I just heard good things. Um, I saw that Michelle Yeoh was starring in it and I, and I was like, okay, let, let's do it. Um, <laughs> this movie throws you for a loop, man. It's a roller coaster ride. Yeah, facts. It's, uh, it's silly at the same time, but there's a really, really profound, deep message in there towards the end. Throughout um, the whole thing, I think. Throughout but, the whole thing, but especially but yeah. there's a montage towards the end that is a culmination, like a sum up of everything that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the, it, it almost falls in, I'm not going to say exactly quite, but it almost falls in place with um, films that do that whole like uh, reveal uh, montage kind of like, the way that arrival or inception or whatever does mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. where everything kind of clicks and the yeah, puzzle comes together exactly yeah, yeah. um it's not i wouldn't say it's at that same level but it still hits no it definitely does and um incredible in- incredible like who would have known um that this movie would have done anything especially coming out so early in the year like it did um and now it's part of awards season I just, it's I, crazy i think it's because of the, the fans that it had picked up at the time, because it came out absolutely in March, came out in March, yeah, April, and the love for it was beautiful to see. First of all, and it's also my number two, and I have like again, it was a great that honestly that was my favorite theater experience of the year. Um, the audience. I that, wish I saw that. In the theater. audience I went with was phenomenal. Everyone was laughing, screaming. We're yeah. all going crazy. You know that scene where they fake out that it's the end. Everyone was faked out. Everyone was like, "Wait, what? The movie's yeah. over?" It. It just. We were so. Everyone was so engaged. No one was saying anything. Everyone was just. It was beautiful to see, and the emotions that I felt. Again, everything, everywhere, all at once. It was happening. At from scene to scene, frame by frame, um, and also the relationship and the family dynamics as well. It yeah. really, ooh, it is cr- very emotional. And I know people who did not like it, who were like, eh, 
And I'm there like, what? Are you guys seeing how, honestly, the feat that this movie does to not only the industry, how impactful this is? Like, this movie was edited during a pandemic. Like people yeah. had they, people were shooting scenes in their homes, yeah. you know. That's just crazy. It, it's 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 movie making at its finest, and the Daniels deserve every single credit they deserve. Michelle Queen, win your freaking Oscar, get the bag. You got this. You deserve it. You get it. Um, and it was, yeah. It I was. It made me again. It made me feel a lot of things, and. Yeah. Um, I'll jump into it because I think that, you know, since in my top two, we mm-hmm. can talk about it, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is my number one film, but um, I'll talk about why it's been my number one. Mm-hmm. And this was really hard to put between my number one and my two, but it was very similar to the point, like Charlie's point, to when I talk about the menu. But like, this is like the menu when it's a pleasant surprise, but like, this film is so ambitious. Yes. Super ambitious. Like, I know Babylon was ambitious, but this is more ambitious yeah, than Babylon. This, yeah. This is like the most, probably the most ambitious film that I've ever seen because it's like all of it is not meant to work. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to work. Yeah. Because how are you going to mix every genre of film, every like random, strange, like, f- like possible thing that can happen happens and make it work? so well and like not only that but i connect to the characters and i connect to the family dynamics and they're still in all of the mess of it which is supposed to be messy you find a great story like that to me is impeccable filmmaking and i can't knock it and like the the number two movie that i had i think uh i think probably to me had the more personal like impact that like maybe I could have put it at number one but this is the film to me that deserves all the plots of this year like mm-hmm. this is the film to me that is that had changed cinema because yes. the writers when they were making this movie that's what they said they're like we're okay yeah COVID whatever uh, what what's gonna bring people back to the cinemas something that's gonna change film and they said that when they were gonna make this movie that this film is going to change film and it did because there has never, to me, that I have seen, ever been a more ambitious movie that has gotten so well praised mm-hmm. that than this movie, and it really deserves it. Um, and I, I thought this movie is incredible. And with what's supposed to be such a silly concept as well, and a and a small budget work. for a film this Im, Im, uh, yeah. immense yeah. because it was what like forty ish million. Yeah, it's did give it a lot of money compared to their yeah, but like forty films. million. For mm-hmm. what the hell they did with this movie and like how ambitious it was, it's a small budget. Yeah. Like imagine if they gave it two hundred million or something like that. Like they could have done some crazy craziness, but maybe it wouldn't be the movie that it is. So right. what they did with it is like, bro, crazy, insane. I, I, I still don't quite. Understand. Fourteen million was the budget. Fourteen. Fourteen million. Yeah, it's super cheap. Dog, that's crazy. That's crazy, dog. That's crazy. in it. Yeah. That's unreal, because you have to bring in. According to Wikipedia, they have it at twenty-five million. So okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's still that's still wild. But how much did it make in the box office? <laughs> it absolutely smashed it. Smashed. Oh, did it make forty million? Then maybe that's what I'm no, thinking. No, no, no. Look, a hundred and three million at the box office. Oh my god. Dog. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. that studio is happy. Yeah. Very yeah. happy. Yeah, shout out to yeah. 24. They they absolutely That's killed crazy. it in the box office. Good for them. 
um, deserves it. Yeah, I still don't understand how that movie works. Like, I just, yeah. I, I, don't, um, I, don't, mm. I don't get how they no. were able to pull that off. That's it, the crazy thing is, like, I, I'll be on this podcast and go on a monologue for three hours trying to explain why this movie works for you, and I can't do it. But you watch that movie, and you, and here's the thing that I'm going to tell people. You know why? No, no, no. But here's the thing I want to tell. Go ahead. What are you going to say? It's because you feel something. Yes, but here's the thing that I'm going to tell <laughs> sorry, people because sorry. why people don't feel something. <laughs> mm -hmm. People love to go into movies with like a closed mindset of like what they want to see and they see something weird and they automatically turn it off. Mm -hmm. And I want to like change that mindset for people like mm -hmm. go for the one person who might be listening to this, probably just me later, mm -hmm. but like <laughs> at if, almost two hours, yeah, in. at almost two hours yeah. in <laughs> go into a film. And if you see something weird, just keep embrace watching it for a little bit. Keep embrace, watching. Yeah, exactly. Keep watching because there's maybe there's something that you're going to connect with and it's not going to happen every time. But when it does, bro, it pays off. It really pays off. And this is one of those movies that pays off for you. No matter how weird it is, it works and it makes you feel something. And I'm telling you, people should watch it. I don't care if you oh, hot dog fingers like that's freaking weird, dude. What am I watching a movie with that? Like, that's weird. I saw it in the trailer. I'm not going to watch it. Shut the hell up. You know nothing about this movie. That's all you're not watching this movie for? Shut Facts. the hell up. Facts. Go watch it right now. Although yes. the hot dog fingers is the one knock I have of the movie because of all the silliness, the hot dog fingers. No, I don't care. No, that was funny, it. bro. I loved it because so I funny. cracked up. So I laughed. I died that laughing. Was so it funny. overdid it for me. Oh, my God. Seeing this in Florida <laughs> with you guys was awesome. No, I was Seeing it with you. Yeah, like, that was But so then funny. here again, but we want, man, I hate to rat him out, but we had a, a friend of ours who really could not watch it. He yeah. was like, what am I watching? Yeah, and, and it's and no disrespect to him. He just the same thing that Abe is saying. He's saying like just, just let it sit. Just keep going. Keep, keep going. Just like keep push going. through. Push through weird moments. Put yourself in a you know get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think that's important for everybody. And with film, I think that's one of the most important things. Get out of your comfort yeah. zone. Um, I watch things before that I'm like, damn, I really am not gonna like this, and I get pleasantly surprised. So you never know. And Abe, what is your number two? I'm gonna pass this off to Charlie. Because my number two and your number one is the same. Yeah. So I'm going to give Charlie, Charlie. and then we can talk about yeah. ours. You guys have the same number one? No, no. I, my one. number two and his number one my is number two, His number two is my you number guys one. guys both went with After Sun? Yes. Rip. All right, just kidding. Uh, my number one, this is going to surprise you guys probably. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. My number one's Pinocchio. Oh, damn. Yeah, wow. you haven't yeah. said it. Yeah, you have not talked yeah. about it. Wow. My number one is Pinocchio. Wow. It just Kelly's hit. poker face throughout this entire thing because he <laughs> gave go. us no indication that that was his number one. Yeah, as far uh, Guillermo did it again, man. He did it again, but he did it through animation this time. If he's done animation in the past, I've, I haven't seen it, but this movie hit hard. And Disney, watch out <laughs> because these directors are coming for Re you. Animation, yeah, yeah, dude, they're coming for hey, you. Hey, man, we had some good directors at Wes Anderson. Yeah. Guillermo, yeah, like, and this is a valid pick, bro. Uh, if anyone puts Pinocchio at their number one, valid like, pick. yes, great pick. That's like, just saying, yes. like, usually, uh, I would, I'm not the type of person to pick an animated film no. to be my number one, like, ever. But this movie just worked for me. It yeah. was so good. I, obviously, like, I know the story of of Pinocchio because I grew up watching it, but the the subtle changes that he made and the elements of the story. I thought really enhanced it, made it better. Um, I really like Pinocchio's uh, 
portrayal and that song the chow papa song oh my god no. that shit's still yeah, stuck no, in my head stop, bro no, that thing crying. makes me cry <laughs> stop, stop, it, it's stop. it's uh it's it's nominated for like best song or it's gonna be nominated for, gonna best, it, for best original song it's gonna win it's gonna it has, win. To, it has win. to win it that song win. is too good that song is too good. if it doesn't win screw you yeah academy because he needs <laughs> yeah, to no, it no, needs no, to no, win it's it's really good yeah um I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's like it. It's weird because it's like um, it shows like a lot of like dark themes as well. Yeah. Because obviously they're like, uh, it's World War Two era. They're um, you know, fascists like Nazis, whatever. Um, who are they? Who's their uh dictator? Mussolini or yeah, Mussolini? Mussolini. Yeah. And it shows like Mussolini, and it makes fun Yo, of him that was and all hilarious. that stuff. Like it's it, that was it's hilarious. funny. It's so it's funny. Yeah, I love how I don't like it. This a puppet. I, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the I think the the politics done in the film is done very well. Very yeah, well. it's yeah. it's it's done very well in yeah. good taste, and um, yeah, it just it, 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 works. it works. It works so well. It works very well. Every I don't think. Yo, I didn't find a flaw in that movie. It's like great. That's what I'm saying. I can't find. That's what I'm saying. I think that I think you guys should see Marcel too. Marcel was really no, good. No, I need to watch well. Marcel. Go see uh, Marcel. But that's what I'm saying. Like I watched that movie and I was like, damn, there's nothing about this that's bad. No, that there's nothing say. about that movie that's bad. Nothing. So I had to just put it at number one. Yeah. The only thing that was drawing for me is that I'm not I, I'm not used to watching stop motion. Like that was mm-hmm. the only thing that's drawing for me. But that's just because of me. You know what I mean? That's not a fault mm-hmm. of the movie. That's just me. But otherwise, I can't. There's nothing I can. Yeah. No, I watch stop motion a lot. Uh, nightmare. So this was a. a I'm not a, a really big or nightmare, uh, yeah. stop motion fan, but yeah, th- this one really worked for me. So I can't knock it, and I really appreciate it. Don't get me wrong, I really yeah. appreciate it. I'm I'm curious to see it now. If, if more, if uh, if you know they're going to give animation the respect that it deserves, oh, and yeah. actually give this man something, some sort of best picture nomination, something. It, director, you know what I mean? I don't know. If it got, it should get it. But it, yeah, it should get it. I don't think they will do it, but it should. Because, dude, listen. The the thing is, there were two Pinocchio movies this year, okay? And yeah, no one's talking about the other one. Yeah, <laughs> no that one, one is on. Talking. That's on the top ten worst, worst film movie. of the year. Yeah, yeah nobody's Jeremy talking about that one. And they had Tom Hanks in it, who's one of the best actors ever. Money. So, like, I know money, but that live action movie gets shit on by this one. Yeah. Shit on facts. Go ahead, boys. Talk about After Sun. My number one is After Sun. My number two is After Abe's Sun. Abe's number two is After Sun. And I know that me putting it at number one, everyone's going to, I know some people are going to watch it and they're going to be like, that was the dumbest or slowest film. The most boring thing. Boring film I have ever watched in my life. And I'm big, you're valid. But. Nah, I'm gonna hate on them. Sorry. But no, I'm gonna hate on them too. I'm gonna be like, I mean, I'm gonna hate on them too. I'm gonna hate on them too. You know, but I don't. Obviously, I'm like, okay. It's all subjective. In yeah, a way, yeah. That's why I don't. You know, what you're saying is is valid, and I'm not trying to um evaluate or invalidate your opinion. Um, but I watched this movie and I just let it sit. That's what I've done with a lot of movies here. I just let them sit, and the more I let Afterson sit. More I start thinking about it and understanding what that movie was and what I was watching. And it tore me into pieces. Yeah, bro. It broke me. Had me crying. 
I was talking to Abe. I was at work. I was at work, and we were analyzing the film and texting. And I was talking to you about it. And as I was talking about it, I was bawling my eyes out. Yeah. Charlotte Wells. That's crazy because I was also that crying was her, when I was texting you about that. <laughs> that, was her dire- that was her directorial debut. Debut, bro. And First film. What she did with this film is incredible. It is a film. It's a father-daughter relationship about a father who is basically him and his daughter are, are struggling. They're both going through the same battles, which is you know depression and anxiety, and they're struggling with that. And just seeing it done in a realistic way, very realistic way, um, it speaks to you a lot because a lot of people go through it. A lot of people do. Um, I myself have gone through it, still battle through it. And to see it be portrayed, that last scene where they're dancing and understanding the ending of when he goes in back into that room and understanding that, like, I don't want to spoil it, Charlie, but understanding why he went back into that room and the purpose of why he went back into that room, um, it, it breaks you because it is a very sad ending. You might not understand, like, what was the purpose, but again, let the movie sit when you let the movie sit you understand why he went back into that room and again that dancing sequence and her fighting against her father and pushing him and then pushing against each other and this this the music the choice of music oh my god dude that is literally the best scene of 2022 i don't give a freaking no, anyone says that is the best scene of 2022 thousand million bajillion the best scene percent. of 2022 and it's I'm. If you guys look at me, I'm a mess right now. I'm bawling my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, but no, stop. You're gonna get me going. Bro. This movie, like this movie, really, really impacted me. And also, just from an aspiring filmmaker standpoint, you can tell um, she was very convenient. Um, she didn't do anything very expensive. She told a story that was, you know, with the sources, with the resources that she had, she used. And she expanded on it, right? She expanded on it from editing. She expanded on it on from the choice of cameras that she used. Music. And the music, that alone, that just shows that, you know, I don't know what the budget of the film was. And the cinematography as well. Like the choices and shots and framing, just that alone has so much impact. And the colors as well into the color grading was phenomenal because it, it pictures as it as like you're looking back at the past or you're looking at it as like a dream or something that you're, um, rewatching from um the perspective of the daughter, and it, y'all, this movie just broke me. It really did. There's a lot. If if I look at my list, the top ten, as you can tell, it's a very depressing list. These movies are very <laughs> depressing. Yeah. I'm yeah, looking at the movies. I think the only happy movie is Top Gun Maverick. The rest are all depressing. And I'm I apologize in advance, but these are stories that stick. These are stories that hit you, that make you feel something. Again, with Papon. But uh, After Sun made me feel so many, like, it made me feel so many things. Um, it, it opened my eyes to that, you know, filmmaking can be convenient, but also can be impactful in how you tell your story and the directions that you take. And that's what Charlotte Wells does. Um, you can tell that she wasn't given a lot of money to make this film, like I said before. But she used what she did in the impact work. And the performance of Paul, and I don't want to mess up her name, um, of Paul and Frankie, who plays.
plays Sophie. Frankie Curio. Yeah. Frankie Curio and Paul, who plays uh, Colum. Their, oh my god, their chemistry on screen was phenomenal. It feels like, and the whole thing is, the movie doesn't have a lot of dialogue. They're they're not as they're yeah. not talking as much. It feels as if you're 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 there with them because when you're going when you're on a regular conversation, no, you're just not talking all the time. Yeah, it's not as free flowing as yeah. Hollywood likes to mm-hmm. make it. It's go. It's again, the realism in this movie is great. Again, um, a lot of movies this year that had great realism, and After Sun I think was its peak of realism. Um, and there was another scene that stuck out to me when Paul was just crying. Yeah, that that alone was was brutal to watch. Yeah, Paul Mescal is a crazy good he, actor. He's really really good. Yeah, this film just it just worked for me, and like I said, it is a slow burn. Um, it moves very slow, but it's only like an hour and forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, just just watch, just let it go, just flow through it, and then just sit and think about it. So I. T- when I finished it, I just went back to multiple scenes where I was trying to understand what was going on. And mm-hmm. The more I understood, the more I was like, this is ridiculous. This yeah. is crazy. And Charlotte Wells, you are a queen, and you deserve the praise. I am so sorry they're not giving you the recognition at awards because you do deserve it. I'm glad you got some BAFTA nominations because you deserve those nominations. But it's your first film, and I know you have a great future ahead of you. Um... Yeah, everything Davi just said, um, of course. So this was a, a tough movie for me. So a couple things. I, I so desperately wanted to put it on my number one because this is the movie that I thought about the most this year. Like This is the movie that like I watched, and every time I think about it, like I think about it for a long time. Um, and I think the reasons why is because uh, I think this movie touches on my biggest fear, um, which is like somehow messing up a relationship with my kid that I don't have. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, or just like, uh, the pressure of being a good dad. Right. I think yeah. that's, that's the a good way to, to put it. Um, the reason I didn't, I'm having a hard time put this movie at number one is because this is Charlotte Wells debut future feature. And like the stuff that she does in this movie is like, it's actually crazy. And, and um, it's not, it's, it's the opposite of everything everywhere. It's the opposite of uh, films like, um, like one movie that Davi uh, had me watch on his uh, Apple TV. Um, he like gave me the login to watch it because he had bought the movies. Was Triangle of Sadness, right? Great movie. I should have put it on my honorable mention. Yeah. That's another movie you guys should watch. It's a good movie. Really good movie. Um, it's super... Uh, obvious what the movie is trying to show you the entire time. Mm-hmm. After Sun is the opposite of that. After Sun is a very understated film. And if you put it on in the background and you just like don't watch it, you're going to miss ex- like 100% of what's happening in this film. Yeah. But every single choice that Charlotte Wells makes in this movie is so intentional in the direction from the, the, the cinematography, the framing of the shots, uh, Everything is super, super intentional to make you feel like you're just observing and like being part of this, this relationship. And the final scene or the, the, the dancing scene, 1000%, one of the best scenes I have ever seen in my life, in my life, period, yeah. period in my life. Like 
I think about that scene probably like twice a day. I think I rewatch it like most of, like a yeah. Lot. I think I've rewatched it this week alone like five times. Yeah, I've watched I've watched that scene <laughs> maybe like one thousand times because like I didn't under the the to to give a little bit of context without spoiling all of it. This the scene is this like overarching theme throughout the film, and you're not understanding it when it's happening. It's like these little weird flashbacks, and you're like, what is happening here? And then when it all happens at the climax of the film. You're like broken. Like you realize what this scene is and how it's so central to the relationship and how broken the relationship is, and you break with it, and it's nuts. But the whole thing is, you don't cry as it's going. You cry after. Yeah. You because you realize, oh, oh, okay. Now I understand, and that's when you go back to when you're like, okay, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, were you? No, I bawled as soon as you bawled it with me. I was like, Wait. because because the way that uh, the film had set you up, it set you up with all of the flashbacks, and it was like this thing that the director was like, "Get it, get it, get it," and you're like, "I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it," and then you're getting all of the tension of the relationship, and it's building up slowly, and you're like, "Yo, I'm like really, I'm really feeling for these characters, and like, I, I you know, I just want to hug them," and then you get a little bit more context into. Frankie's Curio's characters and and her as an adult, and then you see that scene. The second that you see the adult version of her in that club, you start. I I was done, bro. I was done. I was done. Is when the credits roll. That's when I and the credit and then the credits I, roll. And oh. after the fact, I'm like, bro, I'm done, because it, it's not because I didn't. In that scene, I don't think I understood like the implications to the whole story, mm-hmm. but I uh, I started to understand the feeling and I started to understand what it is that the director was trying to portray. And once I felt it, I was like, I'm done. I'm gone. Like, and she took it all from personal experience. Like, not everything was 100% true to her life, but like all of this was personal feelings and personal experience. And I think, you know, she portrayed it to the best level that I think you can ever see for an indie filmmaker, like period. Period. Like, I don't think that an indie filmmaker can... If you're an indie filmmaker and you're trying to make a story about, like, your life and your feelings and your portrayal, Charlotte Wells is the standard. She's the standard. She killed this. This movie's incredible. And it's not for everybody. It's really not. No, yeah. yeah Abe's right. It, it is not for everyone. And I know that, like I said, me putting it on number one, everyone's going to be questioning it and wondering, why is it there? They're going to go watch it. And I'm going to get texts and everyone's going to be like... That movie was absolute dog shit. I'm, be like, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, it's worth it just for that scene. Yeah, it, watch it. It, just for it that really scene is worth understand. it to build up to that scene. Like that's what it it builds up to that scene, and when it builds up to that scene, that's where you get the closure. And you're like, and, and you realize, and wow, this adds up for me because I, you know, we talk about this a lot about how the the movies with those twists that make the puzzle pieces and everything click, like um, totally different genres, but like Shutter Island and like Arrival, right? Mm-hmm. Like things like that, where like everything that has happened in the film leads to this one moment, and then the aha happens, and you're like, "Holy shit!" This movie does that in a way that's gonna take your heart and just stomp on it. So that's why this movie's so good. Um, and After Sun honestly could have been my number one if it wasn't for the fact that I like I'm so impressed by Charlotte Wells that I don't want to put more pressure on her to be like, "You, how do you top this?" Um, because I think she can evolve from this. This is a a totally potentially different film that she might want to make yeah. in the future, but this makes film, something complete. Yeah, you're right. She as a debut, as a debut film, it's really hard to look at other films and be like, "Yeah, this is comparable," because this film is incredible. Yeah, it that's really that incredible. Wow. 
want to watch that scene again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna put it up again, bro. Hopefully, that's a pitch to Charlie to watch this. Yeah, film. I know, Charlie. I, I've been it. meaning to watch it. I have. Seen if you want my movie. Apple TV account, let me know and I'll log you. In. But because um, <laughs> uh, Apple, if you're listening, please, please no. Oh my God, as this is going on Apple Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> you've been striked. <laughs> please, um, we're just joking. Uh, but y'all sponsor no. us. Um, oh. Uh, it, a quick thing before you wrap up mm-hmm. uh this is actually the close of season two for us of the redox podcast Fire. wow we have been doing this for two seasons we're now going to season three Let's so the go. next episode you guys hear from us will likely be the last of us facts the last of us uh episodes will be season three of the podcast let's Fire. go guys let's go um what a year y'all um a year to celebrate a year to cry <laughs> a year to um, be happy joyful um and also be sad but what a year for film it every year i think it's special every year has its has its gem and we can look back year by year and look at you know how our list might change as it goes but um this was a great conversation and we've had great conversations and i'm so excited to start the year off in 2023 because i know we have a crap ton of great movies coming out and yeah, i mean some great movies coming out yeah. and uh, this year is overwhelming no, this no really great yeah. it's 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 looking like to be a very great year for film just from a blockbuster standpoint it's looking really good yeah and if you have a, blo- a good blockbuster standpoint that means you're gonna get these films that are gonna come out of nowhere and shine that we're not expecting, you know, like after some, which came out of nowhere and it shined. So I'm expecting one film to multiple films, I think this year to come out of nowhere and absolutely shine. Um, we won't know until the end of the year, but y'all, uh, we want to wish you guys a happy new year. And we are so happy to start a new season. It was again, an amazing year of 2022, an amazing discussion. I hope you guys ha- liked our list. Um, what was your favorite films of 2022 let us know um did you have some critiques of our list did we leave out a movie that you didn't like let us know in the comments um but that that being said y'all we love you guys 